<laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast. MinMax is a place about games, friends, getting better, and it's also about mic stands falling apart during the intro for the live episode of the podcast. But my name is Ben Hanson. Thank you for being here. I'm joined by Kyle Hilliard. Do you, do you now have to hold up your mic stand? I'm going to fix it while someone else is talking. We're also joined by Jeff Marquefava. No, keep I wanted you to talk. Amateur to hour. Amateur hour. Sorry. Also joined by community manager Haley McLean. Hello. Welcome. Special live episode of this podcast because we just finished watching the big summer game fest thing from Jeff Keighley. The event that was... So neat. We all got to watch it and just imagine what it's like in L.A. But uh, Leo Vader and Sarah Podorsky, Sarah Podorsky and Jenna Garcia are actually, they were in the theater watching the whole thing live. I didn't see him. I was Did squinting looking. Find him. Yeah, maybe they no. snuck I, out. I saw Nicolas Cage. Was that them? You know, that was Leo. Oh, that was, that Leo. was actually Leo. A lot of people get those two confused. It happens all the damn time. <laughs> um, all right. For this episode of the podcast, we're running through our favorite things from the big sort of basically kick off the E3 season. You could say it was the PlayStation Showcase, but let's just say this is it now because it's more exciting that way. Uh, then we're going to be talking a little bit about Planet of Lana. Yes, you all want to talk about that a little bit? Great. Yeah. Uh, and then back half of this show, we have some wonderful uh, questions submitted over on Patreon from the community, and we're going to digest them, Jeff, them, and then we're going to give them the wisest answers they've ever heard in their freaking lives, mm. man. Okay. Uh, so as we're recording this right now or streaming this live for this live episode, I'm still holding the microphone. And most importantly, uh, Day of the Devs is going on. So there's going to be some reveals and stuff like that from Day of the Devs and Devolver Direct that we probably aren't going to cover in a big way on this episode, but we'll be covering on next week's episode. And just for a, a roadmap of what's happening for us. So uh, Janet and Sarah and Leo, they are all in L.A. They're going to be attending the Summer Game Fest previews. They're going to be uh, filming a travelogue about their entire journey. They're going to Super Nintendo World, making a travelogue based on that because of your support on Patreon, and we hit that goal. So that'll be up hopefully later next week, if I have to guess a time for when their travelogue is going up. And then they'll be on next week's episode of the podcast talking about their full trip as well, all that fun stuff. Uh, there are more big showcases, though. If you're listening to this, please jump in and watch them live with us on MinMax's YouTube channel because we're going to be reacting live to the Xbox Games Showcase happening on Sunday, Sunday, June. 11th at 12 p.m. Central. That's Xbox and Starfield because Starfield's like a weird standalone thing. And then Monday, uh, June 12th at 12 p.m. Central, we're going to be reacting live to Ubisoft's big showcase, all that fun stuff. People, um, people who are live on chat, hello, thank you for being here. They pointed out that, yes, uh, MinMax folks are going to be on the Giant Bombcast because Giant Bomb are, they're reviving their E3 late night sessions and stuff. And so I'm so jealous because I've gone to those a bunch of times, but I've never actually been on it. I've never been on the Bombcast. I desperately want to be on. It's like a legendary podcast. But uh, Sarah and Janet and Leo get to be on. So they're going to be on. some people over there. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You'd think so. Uh, But they'll be on, I think, on Friday. So you can tune into the Bombcast to hear that crew. It should be fun. Um, Summer Game Fest, Kyle. How was it for you, man? It was okay. It wasn't like mind-blowing. There were some very exciting things. I think it ended strong. I also think it started very strong. Uh, I like the first game they showed. Hell yeah, we can get into all that stuff. What about like, just like, hot general thoughts from the group while I fix my mic and turn my mic off. So you all got it. Jeff, give me hot takes for the Summer Game Fest thing. Oh, there was so much. Um, It's, you know, it's it's a weird... It's a weird show. I'm I'm glad it exists because we need something to fill the E3 void. Um, but it is it's 
certainly not E3. And it's 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 always weird when it's like, wait, this is this is a commercial for a T. We're talking about TV shows now. And and now we're, now this is just like you're showing me a Samsung monitor for some reason. And then then you'll get some games. And then there's that like weird middle ground where it's like, what is this and who paid who in order for us to be watching? This? It's it gets a, a little messy. Thing. Right. Like it's not there because there are paid advertisements in there. And, and right. this one in particular, I feel like the line was more blurry than usual. Yep. Um, I don't bemoan them. I don't really mind paid advertising being part of the show. I just wanted to be clear when it is present. Right. Right. There's I mean, it's always the thing with Keeley. Like I, I will always defend Jeff Keeley and his shows. I think they're fun. It's like this is yeah, this is yeah. something he's pushing hard to make these things happen. Plus, he's doing three a year at this point. Like everyone expects the moon. It seemed like. I don't know, Haley, as the community community manager, how were you reading the the temperature of people in the live chat for our full reaction stream on YouTube? They were being very kind and actually putting monetary, like num numerical values to what they thought it was okay. out of 10. So that right. was nice. But it was all over the place. I saw two out of tens, five out of tens, some people say an eight out of ten. Like hmm. I think it I think it it's hard because it what is it, right? Like it's filling a void, but it's its own thing. We could also just be having nothing right now. Right. And that, that could be also a reality. But we have this thing. So isn't that kind of better than nothing? Like, it doesn't need to be E3. Right. But it's, it's our just, big review, better than nothing. It's generic <laughs> brand Oreos. But come on, they're better than no cookies, right, everybody? You could eat, you could eat nothing today. So I, what do you think? I, I, yeah. I, I, I still enjoyed it overall. Yeah, I feel like Keeley, I think he's doing a pretty good job of like getting out there ahead of time. If you listen to all the interviews like I do that he does ahead of time, like a maniac, he kind of plants the seeds for like, this is a biggie versus one that's like, you know, we have some exciting stuff. And this was one that he was teasing as like, there's some good stuff in here. And undoubtedly that's true. Uh, we're going to unpack the highlights here, but it was fun to have it like in the live theater. And I, I forgot just how much I miss crowd noise during yeah. shows like this. Like, you know, you Which get... Yeah, go ahead, please. No, just like, you know, you get the weird guys like, yeah, really excited about just weird little details in there. It's just like, it's fun. Like, you know, hypothetically, say if the most exciting thing of the show is something we'll talk about later on in this episode, if they say two discs, you get to hear the entire crowd at the same time go, two discs? Like, it's so weird to hear a group digest well, a concept like that. I mean, I won't make it one of my top three of yeah. the show, but like genuinely that moment where they showed the Final Fantasy mobile game. Yes. And he was like, by the way, speaking of Final Fantasy, and the crowd went like, <gasps> yes. And he was like, he was like Choco nah. Bell's having a Final it's Fantasy. It's DoorDash. Like, it was so funny and perfect. And Keeley's reaction of just like immediately being like, oh, guys, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get you upset. But <laughs> what a little, what a stinky little DoorDash little stinker, plug. Yeah, yeah. because he fun. knew. It really made me laugh. He knew he had the haymaker in his back pocket that whole time, which is diabolical. He could never make that joke and not not follow up with the actual stuff right and Apparently. it would be uncool yeah um uh, but yeah i enjoyed that um it definitely he was trying to distinguish this show from playstation showcase i think by pushing jeffem's favorite phrase raw footage we have raw footage everybody it's rawer than you've ever seen it in your life uh but How hey. about exoprimal raw yeah. dinosaurs roaring so this, is, this is a live just episode. Just cut it in post. Just yeah. cut it in post. Kyle, I got bad news, man. I can't cut yeah, these jokes can't. anymore. This is yeah, a live this, episode. This is a live freaking episode. Um, but I think it's interesting just like seeing how Keeley is navigating with the with the big folks out there. Um, like, okay, we're going to message ours as focusing on more raw extended gameplay. We'll show you some freaking UI from games compared to PlayStation Showcase where it's going to be a lot of cinematic trailers and stuff like that. And even just seeing like what he gets from the biggies for his show versus their show, like... I would love to just know, know what those discussions are like for Spider-Man 2 was here, 
Brian Intihar from Insomniac came on stage, but then it was just to talk a little bit more about concept art. They talked a little bit about uh, some more details about like, oh, Venom is not Eddie Brock in our game, which if you finish the last Spider-Man game, you probably have a good idea of who it's going to be this time around. But so a couple more details like that. But then the idea was, oh, we saved the release date for you, Keeley. Like we saved that from the PlayStation Showcase, and now we're revealing it here. Weird it's going to be crumbs scattered everywhere. Yeah, like information split up into ten things now. Right, right. But yeah, October twentieth, twenty twenty three is when a Spider Man two is coming out, and they revealed the box art and all that fun stuff. But I enjoyed the show. But let's figure out why I enjoyed the show by asking Jeffum. Give me the third most interesting thing to you from Big Summer Game Fest twenty twenty three, man. Um. I'll say Immortals of Avia. Immortals of Avia, number three. <laughs> um, this is yeah. yeah, it's the game that uh, it's the easy pitch is Call of Duty with magic, first person magic shooter, all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, it's a first person magic game. Yeah, Keely Keely said Doom with magic and a, and Call of Duty with magic. We we know what a first person game is at this point, right? We, we can we know what a shooter is, but it's got magic. Right, and the, the weird connection is like, oh, it's from uh, the creative director on the last, well, Sledgehammer's Call of Duty games recently, and so that's maybe the more direct mm-hmm. line to draw, I guess, for that whole thing. But yeah, it, I think it started out a little rough, and it's the classic. Oh, the, the, pre- the presentation was a disaster, yes. Well, uh, Immortals of Avium, it's, it's not a strong name, and they... I, they, I detest the name. It, they, I detest the name. I really don't like the name. They keep leading with the lore. Like, they got the actor out there to drop, like, oh, this is a big battle and a big sequence in the game because this is when the uh, battle mages have conquered Nazareth. And it's like, we don't care. The game looks great. Just get to the game, please. We have a giant mech and we're walking through the ocean. Let's see. And I would have been like, wow. But yeah, they start talking about lore and I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think you quoting Kyle Bossman once pointed out that it's like, it's. The thing is, is like their internal, and I, I actually, I went to the studio and, and visited that studio and played that game, and like even then, it was like it's clear that they're very excited about the lore and the story because they've been embedded in it for like years at this point. But it is that thing of like, I know you guys are really into it, but like it really doesn't mean anything to me yet. Hopefully, it will when I play the full game, but not, it's not there yet. Right, right. Uh, but Jeff, and what's that to you about Mortals of Avium? Um, that it looks weird. They they <laughs> yeah. were t- they were talking about. You know, he was the actor that they brought out to talk about. It was very much talking about the characters and there's trauma and stuff. And it it gave me a little bit of forespoken vibes of like, this is this is an action game, but that's slightly bent and different from what we're used to with action games. And at this point, I feel like I that's all I want from games. I've played so many shooters and so many open world games that like do something different and do something a little weird. And, and a bunch of like mages guilds fighting aliens on giant metal, you know, the statue of Liberty walking through right. the ocean is, is different and weird enough that, uh, you know, it's, it's a number three spot for me. Yeah. I think that's nice. And it's like, we've talked about it before with the preview and stuff, but I'm still fascinated by the idea of this game and ascended studios it's it was funded by Brett Robbins, who's a creative director, who's a creative director for Dead Space and the Sledgehammer's Call of Duty games, like we mentioned before, like World War II and uh, Advanced Warfare. But 
the studio was funded by just a super rich friend of Brett Robbins who just <laughs> funded the entire thing. So I think that lets it be a little different. You know, it feels a little bit funky and weird just because it's not too focus tested from publishers. They just basically got to shop around yeah. their finished new IP and then EA signed them up. So it's a EA original for this thing. The, the Wild Things, yeah, it's coming out July 20th. It's, no multiplayer, single player, story driven. Yeah. Like those are things that get me excited for sure. And seeing it in action, which is like like we've been saying, it's like they should have just gone straight to that. It looks cool. Like yeah. I, I I like what I see of it. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be a, a sleeper hit for this year, uh, critically at least. So Immortals of Avium is the name of that thing. Haley, as our cool guest of honor, um, what do you think? Where do you want to go next? What do you want to talk about? I mean, that was also my third um, for like kind of the same reasons, but I guess just a funny story third other one is just like nicholas cage coming out for dead by daylight yeah that that's just so funny i mean like you know i'm a huge fan of dead by daylight i play it like at least weekly it's like one of the most unique games came out 2016 it's such an old game it's super old but it still has so many like viewers on twitch every day like so much content every day gets made out of that game and just the fact that now they're they have so much IP in it, but now they're just like, Nicolas Cage, why not? Like, he, clearly his daughter loves the game or something, or yep. like a niece or something. He said and somebody in the family. There. Yeah, and he's like, all right, sure, whatever. It's, I just think that's such a funny thing, and that he came on stage, was into it, was like, yeah, I recorded the grunts. It was awesome. I'm like, what is happening? This yeah. is hilarious. It's the classic nice Keeley moment of, hey, surprise, Nicolas Cage on stage, everybody. Um, I kind of want more things like that. I think that would be a nice, like, vibe for this type of show. Like, weird. What the? Get him on stage to talk about that, like, kind of energy. You want more Al Pacino's on stage, that type of thing? Maybe not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sounds great in theory. Referencing Al Pacino, I do genuinely think it is one of the most successful, hey, we have a celebrity here moments. Because he, like, wasn't on too long, and he was not awkward and it was like exciting to see him if that makes Nicolas sense. Cage where most of the time yeah. celebrities come on stage and they're like hey I'm a celebrity you guys like this video game thing I'm here what did you want something is there anything else you need from me yeah I appreciate <laughs> Cage was like there just long you know, he wasn't there very long and he's like yeah this is fun cool see you guys yeah I like he like tried to have something interesting to say where he's like oh you know every time I do a project I want to learn something new I'm always trying to learn something new and boy the, hold, hold the timing second, yeah that's a solid Nick Cage. Like I'm that? genuinely, you do a lot. You throw out a lot of impressions. Yeah, and that, that's a good one. Thank you. Hey, so man. congratulations. I, I genuinely, I hope, I hope you don't sense me being sarcastic. I thought it was a good Nicholas. Cage. Now the key to a good impersonation is to interrupt somebody in the middle of it, so you can tell them that it's good, so that when they pick it up for the second <laughs> half, it maintains the exact yes. level of pristine quality. Yeah. Get you <clears> okay, let's hear. It. Let's okay. hear. It. I'm always trying to learn something new, and the new thing that I learned this time around is the timing of the video. See, I'm losing it. The timing of the video games. Hey, thanks, man. Hey, thanks. I need this. Uh, The timing is down to split seconds in video games. You know what I mean, Jeff? It's split seconds. And then that was his big closer is just talk about how the recording for video games is down to split seconds. People scream when they get hit. Like, that's a crazy (laughs) thought. Yeah, that happens. So you say, do do characters is a weird question, but when characters talk in Dead by Daylight, like their mouths move, right? Because that was like... They in don't the footage, talk, really. Okay, because like yeah. Nicolas Cage had like voiceover lines and stuff, and his character was on screen, but he was not emoting. 
And I don't know no. if it was like they just haven't done the face animations yet or what. Survivors don't like have any facial movements whatsoever, except for maybe <laughs> scream face like when okay. you're on the hook. But they're, like a couple of them say a, some stuff in the loading screens. If you like pick two together that are from the same like DLC pack, then I'd be like, oh, hey, like something like that. And then only a few killers talk like Wesker talks, um, Pinhead talks and like just a few of them and they'll say like a couple words during the game every so often but again aren't animated to talk it's like out of the ordinary for someone to be speaking in dead by daylight so the fact that it looked like like it showed him running out of the game and he said like let's get the hell out of here like if he says that in a match i'm gonna be like what's the hell like it's gonna feel weird that is such a weird thing it'd be funny yeah, well, he emphasized that it was all about fusing, how he really wanted the players to fuse with him forever because of his iconic voice lines and screams and grunts. Uh, weird stuff. Um, yeah, July 25th, apparently, is when Nick Cage is coming to Dead by Daylight. I'm trying to trying to get playback now just to see this handshake at the end between Keeley and, and uh, Nick Cage because I think it's... I wish I they had the close-up. Did he go like that nah, too slow? Is that what happened? No, that would have been better. It was right? just an awkward that, thing. That but was it, kind of the energy. Yeah, it was a wide shot. Like, oh, all right here, buddy. Okay, yeah, you want to shake my hand? Fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, what do you got, Kyle, for your number three, man? Uh, I wanted to shout out uh, Sandland. Yes, actually. yes. Um, because I love Toriyama, creator of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, etc. Blue Dragon, of course. Dude, you freaking joke, <laughs> uh, man. But, um... I and I've been aware that this is like his new manga anime. Like I think it came out in the two thousand. Like it's been out for a while, but like I really don't know anything about it. And no. this video game will probably be my avenue to finally sort of understand what Sandland is. So I was excited to see it. Yeah, I was really I out of myself as uh, a real manga anime dork because it started out and it's like hey from acclaimed manga artist and i was like well the only one i know is akira toriyama and they start this and i'm like but i don't know what this is. <laughs> Turns out I just know Dragon Ball and then. Ariel, what's the other one with the girl with the hat? Uh, so you just uh, know Dragon Ball, is what yes. you're saying, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I was excited about this. Like Van Namco, like making a big, open-ish game that looks like Akira Toriyama's Mad Max. I'm like, you know, you joke about Blue Dragon, but like, man, it's cool to see big yellow robots from Toriyama in a video game. Like, it looks a little bit like Robo from Chrono Trigger in a big 3D yeah. game, and that has me excited at least. Yeah, I've uh, Marcus Stewart over at Game Informer, and he immediately saw it. He's like, "This is cool, but like, it just really makes me want a Chrono Trigger remake." And I was like, "Yeah, I kind of want that too." Can we have both? <laughs> yeah, the HD two D version maybe at some point. But yeah, I, I, I that was a it was a big surprise for me too. So, uh, Sandland is the name of this thing, and it's an Unreal Engine five. Which again, this is kind of the the fun of the live show is that when they announced this was an Unreal five, like the crowd like popped for that. It's like, what a, what a weird thing. But I like knowing what gamers these days are actually screaming about in a theater. It influences me to care more. I'm like, oh, right? they all like it. Maybe it should be paying attention. We can't. We need to be the influencers, Haley. We need to nah. let people know when they should be excited. We we'll can't scream. Just yeah, <laughs> that's right. We like. Uh, let's see. Is... We could go a bunch of different directions. Oh, here's, a, here's an odd one. Here's maybe an odd one because I'm not the biggest fan of the, the property. But one of just like a nice little surprise in here, and it might have even been an ad and not even been like a featured spot, but there's the game called The Lord of the Rings Return to Moria, where it's like, okay, I know we're all burned by Gollum recently and all this stuff, and maybe Lord of the Rings isn't on the best uh, path forward with Embracer owning it for video game rights and stuff like that, but like, hey, here's just a game where it sounds like we have uh, John Rhys-Davies 
and it sounds like you're just going to be controlling dwarves, taking back the mines of Moria, and then we're just going to show you going through and digging and stuff. And it's like, oh, if it's just Lord of the Rings, Deep Rock Galactic, but like a budget take on that because it looked a little cheap around the edges. Like I, I'm curious about that. Uh, maybe I'm just a sucker for mining or something, but I'm curious. I guess it has been announced already, which I was totally unaware of. Wait, really? Yeah. Whoa. I had no idea. How long ago? Oh, I put me on the spot now. (laughs) I got to back up my sources. (laughs) Mr. Expert over here, man. All right. I'll take back all excitement then. No, no, no. I, because my reaction was the same. It was like learning afterward. I was like, oh, I guess this game was already announced. I had no idea. Oh, that's bizarre. Um, All right. It's, it's one of those games where it, it, it at least makes sense for, for the IP. Like I just had no interest in Gollum whatsoever. I don't want to play a game as Gollum, but a bunch of dwarves mining in a giant mountain and kind of building up a little, you know, dwarf civilization. I mean, that that's dwarf fortress, right? That, that sure. there, and there are plenty of mining games that like, so I too, even despite, you know, clearly looking like, like a seven tops, you know, type of production value <laughs> right, to right. that thing. It was like, okay, like this, I, I want to see more of what this is. If, if this is more of a system, if, if they didn't just take, you know, like Lord of the Rings and like, hey, we got to make this story into a video game, you know, so we got to we got to make sure like all the characters are first all of, like we got to make tough choices or whatever, you know, like right, all right. like that that level of trying to turn a narrative into a video game versus let's just take, you know, pretty proven systems on what people like from these other types of games and fit it where it where it actually makes sense to apply, yeah. I think is probably going to turn out better hopefully oh that's a that's a low bar to begin with i guess but um plus well, set uh, it very low for them so they're in good yes. shape yeah no good <laughs> you want uh, the deepest cut fun fact kyle about yes. gaming in moria um there was an old 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 computer game where it might have even been like a fan creation but it was about the mines of moria uh and just like a dungeon crawler in the mines of moria i'm talking i'm talking like mid 80s level um and it was the game that the creators of Dob- diablo look to for inspiration for the color coding for loot that now has become oh. spread across the oh, entire wow. industry and so everyone there looks to like diablo for getting that started but diablo's designers looked at this old mining and moria game i forget the name oh, that's of it funny then. that's cool uh all right who do we got jeff you want to choose your next one man uh yeah i'm sure this will this will be on other people's lists but uh for me, it would be Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake 2! Which, which I'm just... I'm, I'm not a huge Alan Wake fan. Yeah. Apologies. But there were so many... There were so many games in this showcase that were, like, multiplayer, you know, four-player co-op, go out, shoot weird monsters, and loot a bunch of stuff. And, like, you can, you can kind of see the... You can see what the flaws are going to be in all of those games. And and that made Alan Wake two kind of refreshing in the sense of like okay I know I know the people are, who are making this are really going to care about the story they're really going to focus on the single player experience they have jump scares de- amazing deer jump scare there and then a freaky guy uh, complaining yeah. about coffee or not being warm enough or something like that and and that's that's kind of what <laughs> I guess that's what I want from uh you know type of 
survival horror first person or you know third like, person uh third person yeah game like it's, this. it's it's a it's a scope of a game you understand and feels almost like a throwback like you know we talked a lot on the podcast on the deepest dive version before like why aren't there more games like this and so seeing another game where it's like hey single player third person survival horror big budget uh it looks so damn good like yeah i'm, I'm with you i'm getting more and more excited and like yeah I, i've never even touched alan wake either but kyle help me out um so there's a guy who busted through a wall and he's wearing a deer mask and he it sounded like he was screaming eh, stale coffee as he came through the wall and we were all making fun of it and then people in the chat who are much smarter than us are like oh no that's the alan wake thing is the enemies all like talk with like memories of their past lives or something gosh yeah uh i that i think that enemy might have even appeared in alan wake but i don't remember i mean i i trust the chat to know what they're talking about and it's funny because i even played played the first couple hours of alan wake like within the last year or two or replayed them rather uh and they do say weird stuff but i, yeah, I don't really remember i guess that that sounds right <laughs> does that help you <laughs> thank you expert of alan wake everybody sorry uh, no it's fine what do, you, what do you think about the whole idea of the 50 50 split they say it's it'll be a 50 50 split between the new fbi agent character and then alan wake i will say i don't really get excited about um like multiple playable characters in a single player game that doesn't really get me excited and and that actually stems from max Payne 2 because i thought that was cool that you could play as mona sax and max Payne 2 and then when you actually finally got your hands on her i was like this you're just playing as max Payne again with like a different skin like this doesn't change anything about my interaction with the game whatsoever and since then I've always kind of been wary of like, I don't know if I really want to play as another character. Uh, and it's funny that it stemmed from a remedy game. But that being said, like, I like the story implications of it. I, I'm yeah. just excited for Alan Wake, too. I trust them to do something fun and interesting with it. So I'm, I'm certainly not critical of that. Um, I, I, I get but, it. I kind of uh, hear you. Yeah. But I, I do like that idea just from the story. If like they're the two characters are existing within different layers of reality, because is the idea that they are. Yeah. The FBI agent is kind of within the world that Alan Wake is writing. Like that's a cool interplay potentially between two characters other than just like geographically, they're a couple miles apart. The end. Yeah. I mean, I like the thing that I always loved about Alan Wake, a game that I really like a lot is that like, because you are in the one perspective of Alan Wake, it was always kind of unclear of like, what is real here and what is not. Right. And I wonder if like switching between two characters builds on that. Maybe it makes it less clear. Maybe it makes it more clear. I don't know. I, I have confidence in Remedy to do something cool with it. Yeah. I'm a little worried now. It's coming out October 17th, 2023. I'm rooting for it. I'm rooting for independent Remedy over there. But Spider-Man 2 coming out three days later, like that's going to suck up a lot of oxygen in late and October. Also a yeah. switch between characters game. Ooh. Like, uh, point. That is true. Uh, yeah. And I would say, well, maybe Spider-Man will uh, be delayed or something. But Brian Intihar, the creative director for Spider-Man, went out on stage and seem to confirm as hard as you could possibly confirm that it is shipping on, in on October 20th, 2023. It's not the first time somebody's uh, slipped a game after promising such big things, but we'll see He then said at the end there, oh, we got that date all right, which is definitely going to be a gift for like Tinder or something. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Kyle, you want to go next? Uh, sure. Um, let's talk about, uh, Prince of Persia, the lost crown. Yes. Uh, yes. which I was very excited to see. I love yep. Prince of Persia. And like when it, it was pretty clear quickly that it's like, oh, this is a 2d game. This is not a 3d game. This is clearly very separate from sands of time. 
and uh, I just thought it looked great. And the press yeah. release does use the term Metroidvania in the, really? in the text of the press release. Like they, I forget how they they framed it. They're like inspired by Metroidvania gameplay. Um, okay. I just yeah, I just thought it looked awesome. Just like a great Ubisoft platformer within a Ubisoft franchise that I like a lot. Maybe my favorite Ubisoft franchise. Yeah. Everything about it was like singing for me, and yep. it made me very excited for it. Yep. I know it's easy to poo poo the show. People are saying not enough reveals yada yada but like this was this was a great reveal i thought like completely yeah, that was like, out that of yeah almost hurt the rest of the show for me because i was like oh this is great what a way what a way to start you know <laughs> yeah and everything else was cool i, I don't want to come off as negative i actually i thought the show was fun but yeah. like it was it was mostly like one or two really strong things that uh kind of is how it sort of played out for me yeah i think so so it's so weird because everyone's been so focused on the remake of sands of time because ubisoft is has been you know dangling the keys over here being like hey what are we doing with the remake of sense of time i guess we're rebooting it we're taking <laughs> it back to montreal like, we're still working on it we yeah, promise exactly <laughs> meanwhile over here they're making what looks like a really cool new 2d prince of persia game which kyle the last mm-hmm. 2d prince of persia was it the original game well there was prince of persia 2 okay um but yeah, maybe. I mean, they released like there's a mobile thing or something. Like a, yeah, there's like a mobile game, and there was like a DS game, I think. Okay, um, sure, sure, sure. But yeah, also the prince has an, a name. His name is uh, Sargon, which is weird because he's always just been the prince. Yeah, like that's he's he's always been a protagonist without a proper name. But right. I guess this time he will. The weird thing he's too got is more two this time around. So it's yeah. a very hip prince, hip hop soundtrack. Yeah. The uh, hip hop anonymous. The um. The weird thing, too, in the trailer, they say something. I gotta go back and hear exactly what they say, but they phrase it like, oh, something, something about the immortals. It's like, that's confusing because Ubisoft also has the property Immortals that, you know, according to leaks, they are making a new game, like a sequel to Immortals yeah. Phoenix Rising. So, like, that's weird to have in this trailer. No, that was that was a reference to Immortals of Avium. Oh. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. The press release says... Immortals, really. I see. The press release says Sargon, the protagonist, is a young gifted warrior, member of an elite group called the Immortals, what? which is what it is in Immortals of Avium. There's an elite group called the Immortals. Right. So, it's getting used a lot. Yeah, it's the new Guardians. This like Guardians is, were like uh, a thing that were used to explain every protagonist character for many years, but we've uh, moved on. Uh yeah, January 18th, 2024. Yeah, it got me excited. Like it reminded me of like, oh, this feels like an old Ubi art engine in a way. Not uh, that yeah. art style, but like it's just cool to see Ubisoft making new 2D games. So that's cool. Two and a half D, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh Haley, next on the list. We're flying through was- this. I was pretty pleased to see like that colorful Sonic Superstars game. Like that looks pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, I haven't played too many Sonics, but it's kind of like Sonic Mania, but like ramped up. It kind of looked like like more art style, more charm, more yeah, like variety in gameplay. Like it looked like at some points you're actually switching to like a like a third person view behind Sonic, not just only two point five D running. And right. honestly, with that show, there was a lot of gray. So like seeing color sometimes felt really good. Like Prince of persia game was also really colorful and then this one like i kind of wanted more of that when there wasn't a lot so when i saw it with yeah. this i was like oh cute yep there's Fun. usually there's a lot of gray and brown free-to-play castles in a lot of key yes. presentations <laughs> these days of like something korean liberty throne liberty yes a lot a lot yeah. of games where if you squint you're like is that a from game <laughs> right uh, he's hoping yeah. to trick a lot of people yeah but i'm with you yeah sonic superstars yeah it kind of looks like kind of the the yeah, 2D stuff from like Sonic Generations even, but it's, yeah. it's a really nice uh, 3D art style for a 2D style game. And then the big thing that they're emphasizing here is like co-op, but not in kind of the classic Sonic co-op way, but more like, oh no, you can just in play a as- Mario ma- way. Yeah, you can just have all the yeah. characters running around at the same time. But there's like weird shots where 
it's like they're all turning into pixelated squids and like swimming yeah. around it's pretty wild it's kind of like the sonic version of 3d world like it's sure it's kind of their take on it i yeah. guess it's kind of what it seems like and i love playing like mario 3d world with friends or my siblings or something so if it's kind of like that vibe but with just sonic mm-hmm. characters and new gameplay like i'd be down for that um yeah i'm curious to see if sarah pozorski's heart skipped a beat because she doesn't she doesn't get out of bed uh for 2d sonic but like this game does look cute and so i'm curious to see if a person only looks it looks 3D sonic polished. Into it. yeah it looks really uh, good. that said I, it's confusing in the trailer and in the press release as far as i can see kyle no reference to the developer which is like for a sonic hmm. game is like that is a huge question mark is like is That's it sonic weird. team making this because we played sonic the hedgehog 4 everybody we would not like another one of those um and so yeah i thought for sure somewhere they'd mention this especially look i think healy does a good job but he was making a little bit of a stink on twitter and in podcasts and interviews and stuff leading up to this talking about like that metal gear solid 3 remake like they're hiding who the developer is. Why won't they reveal who's developing the Metal Gear Solid 3 remake? And this isn't the same scale, but it is a little thing of like, come on, man. You should, Hypocrite. You should have thrown out there who's developing this. It is the number one question for a new good-looking Sonic game. Everybody you imagine if it's like breath. Big Red Button or something. Like right. Sonic, <laughs> Sonic Boom. The old, really bad Sonic games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fall 2003 for Sonic Superstars there. Great pick. That was another great surprise. Solid surprise there. Solid surprise. Solid surprise. Um, let's see. I'm going to go with, look, I want to talk about it. It doesn't need to be the thing we're the most excited about, but in terms of memorable, dare I say, iconic moments from this showcase, I'm not trying to be a negative fella here, but that clip from Twisted Metal was (laughs) truly embarrassing. Like my partner came home from work and said, did you see the Twisted Metal thing? Like, it's already in the zeitgeist. People are already talking about it. In a negative way, I take it? In a negative way, yeah. Yeah. No, Kyle, they loved it. Is that right? We're everyone, out on a limb? Else. I yeah. was... Man, Kyle is a big Will Arnett fan over there. Like, he comes up on the screen, and he had that funny video where he's like, hey, everybody, it's Will Arnett here. Yay! Well, bed. Right? Like, From his bathroom, presumably. Clear. At least it turned out... Nick Cage is on stage, and you're in your bathroom? Like, come on, come on read the room. But then it's the confusing thing where Will Arnett, and we knew this, but he's voicing Sweet Tooth in the Twisted Metal show for Peacock, but then he's going to be acted by Samoa Joe. And I know that the talent, uh, the showrunners for this thing, they like have their Deadpool uh, credits in the past and stuff like that. So it seems like they're trying to lean into that comedy angle. And this is a clip of them not in cars. It's just them fighting in a casino. Man, Kyle, I, I watch a lot of bad movies. I truly was horrified just by how that how those comedic swings were missing hard. Well, Okay, because I've never been a Twisted Metal guy. Is is it like tonally close? Like is Twisted Metal? <laughs> no, hundred kind of, like, percent. I no. mean, okay. well, because like Hawaii, it is, it is one of the most. It's like, like a verb is not a thing that would happen in Twisted Metal. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. to be fair, Twisted Metal's tone is all over the place. If you're counting up like Twisted Metal Black and Twisted Metal Small Brawl, like yeah, what's the tone of Twisted Metal? I don't know. It's like okay. it is pretty silly, um, but it is not uh what i was expecting with this here and like even in the reveal trailer they had um they had the main character dance in there and stuff so i guess they kind of set the scene but then the big moment in this is sweet tooth slams um the new character's face the falcon i forget his name sam wilson anthony anthony mackie yes sam wilson's the falcon's real name never mind but he like slams his face into like a slot machine 
And then they start playing Cisco's thong song and they like both start singing it. What? Man. All right. We don't need to dwell on negative things, but I was truly Sounds horrified. Like well on it just <laughs> sucked so hard. And I don't know if I'm just being defensive as a Twisted Metal fan or what's happening here, but oh boy, I'm scared it, for this thing. It, it was it was not only just it was it wasn't just that it was terrible. It's that it has absolutely nothing to do with Twisted Metal. It's like, how much time right. are you going to spend with a bunch of characters making stupid jokes, you know, on stupid sets and not showing us the cars that I'm sure are going to be much too expensive for whatever well, your stupid budget is for this? I mean, Jeff, yeah. did you like that they kind of, as a joke, they're like, wouldn't you rather we be in a car right now? Right. <laughs> like, that was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> that was fun. They, they spent all the money licensing that song, and now <laughs> now they got nothing for the cars. That's right. Uh Cisco, Minnesota fella, come to the, the Midmax Studio, gamer. Cisco. He's yeah, come on, man. Uh, all right, uh, who wants to toss something out? Where are we at, Jeff? Um, uh, we can we can talk about my number one later, and we all know what what the what the big number one is going to be at the end of this. <laughs> okay, does anybody have something that's not the big number one that they want to cover before we get to it? Uh, Lies of P looks cool. Yeah, I want to yeah. check out yeah. that demo. Yeah, that's right. Demo's um, out for it. Yeah, I haven't downloaded it yet, but uh, yeah, but I've had my eye on that one for a while. Uh, very curious about that game. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1, give a shout out. It's nice to see uh, gameplay for that. A little more details on exactly how like the cameo fighters works. Uh, cameo with a K, of course, where it's like, okay, you're you're calling in, you're choosing a character, then you're choosing basically a secondary character, but it's not exactly like a tag game. And the interesting thing is like, oh, there's a button for your buddy character and then it's directional. So you can have your character come out and do a move, just like, bap, quick cameo, and then run off screen. But that's dependent on the direction that you're pushing it, which is such an interesting idea instead of just kind of like the Marvel versus Capcom, even idea of like, all right, I have Thor pop in, do a move, but no big deal. But you can kind of sort of play as two characters at the same time, but it's even this, though it's not a tag game. So the way Ed Boon um, was describing it is, uh, he's like, oh, it's kind of like you're combining the moves with these different characters. And so you can have... Sub-Zero, but Goro is the cameo character, so your moveset's almost like a fusion of the two of them at the same time. And so it's a cool way, I think, to incorporate more Mortal Kombat characters into the game if they aren't straight-up playable. But then he said there's weird stuff like some characters are playable in the main roster but then are also a cameo character, so you can have Sub-Zero with another Sub-Zero as the cameo fighter to jump in there. I don't know. I know you guys aren't the biggest Mortal Kombat fans, but... Yeah. It, it's good. I actually, I, I was, I thought it was cool. I, Van Damme is going to be in the game. Like, right. Voicing somebody. He's or? voicing Johnny Cage, apparently, because okay. uh, See, he was. A, that's super fun. Just the sort of like circular nature of, you know, life, I guess. And also the fact that he was in the Street Fighter movie just makes it even better right. somehow. Like it's, and it was I, fun. I like that. And what I appreciated too is like, you know, Keely just, just saying it. And whereas I think a lot of first party things legally, they have to tiptoe around direct referencing other stuff, but Keely just being like, yeah, Van Damme's in there. Cause you like blood sport and blood sport inspired the creation of mortal Kombat to begin with. And it's like, Oh yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. cool. Thanks. Thankfully he can just say that Keely can just toss out references. Like this next game is like Pokemon with guns. Here you go, everybody. Or it's like, no one else could say that. No first party would that feel is, comfortable. Yeah. legally I was saying surprised that. Trouble saying for saying that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, but Mortal Kombat 1, I think it looks, I think it looks interesting. You know, when they have the whole montage of a bunch of, uh, fatalities and it's just like liquid sounds of blood curdling, it's like, I, I, man, 
call me uptight. Like I love Mortal Kombat, but like if, if you can just turn I'm off that gore, I'm a little squeamish with that stuff. I just lie. I I don't like hearing a crowd losing it for that. It just it feels it feels <laughs> like we should be past that at a certain point. But I still will defend the hell out of the game, and I love. I think it's cool just to have Ed Boon on stage talking about like, okay, so at the end of Mortal Kombat 11, Liu Kang became the fire god and that reset the universe. Like him just going deep into the lore of like the ending from the last game for the fighting game. Like it's such a unique thing that's that's still been going for all these decades. So Mortal Kombat It's pretty unique for a developer to be with one IP for what, 30 something years? I feel like that never happens. No, that's the thing. Yeah, 31 years. Like I was talking to Ed Boon about that uh, when we visited for the Game Informer cover story for Mortal Kombat 11. It's like, I can't think of another creator that's been that consistently with a franchise for that long. Like Kojima's obviously been around for so long yeah. with Metal Gear, but that that streak is broken. And so there's got to be something uh, like I, I'm blanking on his name for some reason with the Smash Brothers guy. Is that Yeah, I mean he's been working with Kirby his whole life. Well, no, maybe. but he hasn't really worked on the Kirby games for a long time. Well, he's, he's the he's the star of Smash Brothers. We all know he is. Okay, well, I if mean, you I count Smash as no, mainline no. Kirby games, then I guess so. But I'm, I'm thinking, like, there might no, be... No, your point stands. It's like, there's not... Even the, the other example I came up with is, like, a, has a giant asterisk on it, and I don't even know if it's relevant, you know? What is it? Oh, that one? Sakurai. Sakurai? Oh, I thought you had another one you were chambering. Um, yeah, there no. might be... There's some, maybe, like, Falcom developer. There might be, like, some deep-cut Japanese thing of, like, oh, the East creator has been there forever. Oh, you know what? Um, Yuji Naka. Or, sorry, not Yuji Naka. Um, Yuji Hori for... Mm. Uh, Dragon, Dragon Quest. Uh, Dragon Quest. Yeah, that's got to be up there. That's... Miyamoto. Well, sure. How Other than that, on Tears of the Kingdom, you think? I don't know. He just climbed trees the whole time. Yeah, he said the <laughs> horses should be prettier. Um, okay, what else we got before the finale? You know, the things we should hit before the the ultimate here. I mean, Pokemon with guns was covered, but that Pokemon is just guns, amazing yeah. that that's a thing that's real and not a video <laughs> on Twitter I watched as a joke. It's so weird. Uh, it's weird, the, the announcement of John Carpenter's Toxic Commando. What was that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's cool to see John Carpenter, uh, one of the greatest directors of all time, obviously from The Thing, everybody's uh, favorite movie of all time, um, that he's always been a big fan of games. He's always tweeting about Dead Space and all that nonsense. But as far yeah. as I know, this is the most directly involved he's ever been with a game's development um and kyle what uh, was your someone, take someone mentioned one of the fear games did he oh oh yeah that does sound familiar um but kyle if you had to describe toxic commando how would you do it uh well <laughs> that's actually something i had to i struggled with writing the little news story for game before <laughs> i was like well how do you describe this thing and it looks kind of like a, zo- a first person zombie shooter probably co-op but then also driving a car seems to be a big part of the gameplay as well. Right. And it's like you're driving around and driving through zombies. They also showed you like pulling other cars out of the mud. So I'm like, I guess you get in and out of this car a lot. Is it like Days Gone, but like a co-op first person zombie game where instead of your motorcycle that you sort of maintain, you have a car? I, Honestly, that's the best description. Ideas, you know? Yeah, I think that's a fair description. That's definitely what they're emphasizing is just a vehicle and killing a bunch of zombies and stuff. It's like, oh, it kind of feels like what is that um, the Day of the Dead movie with Dead Reckoning where they have their cars at Land of the Dead, I think? Mm, it kind of reminded yeah, me a little bit of that. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool to see John Carpenter involved, but then it's just kind of like, okay, John Carpenter came back for a, a zombie game. Okay, sure. You know what? Yeah, if, They sell well. Like, if I had just heard the announcement that John Carpenter was making a game called Toxic Commando, mm-hmm. like, 100%. I yep. mean, that sounds like 80s, campy, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and then watching that 
that would not be what I expected Toxic Commando to be. And it it doesn't seem to have any kind of, at least what they showed didn't have any John Carpenter footprint to it. Um, yeah. So it, that seemed a little disappointing to me. They're singing Bon Jovi. Yeah, like, could we talk about it if it was just called Toxic Commando? Probably, Probably not. not. No. no. Um, yeah. It is interesting, though. It's a uh, saber is developing it and focus home focus home interactive by the way was all over this uh showcase but so saber developing it it kind of made a little more sense of like tim willits who was at doom for or at id for a long time working on the doom series he left to go uh be creative director over at saber and and it was like that's a weird move saber really i mean we're excited about space marine too but the idea of like oh maybe he knew this was in the works and he knew that if he got to leave he got to go work with john carpenter on a on a big new game i mean this is probably the world war z group right hmm. saber is funky because they're, they're they're surprisingly big and they work on like a lot of weird stuff but right. world war z is genuinely my favorite like co-op zombie shooter since left for dead like yeah I, I think it's it's my favorite of all that of those recent in that genre so yeah i remember that um okay the biggie the big pooba yes jeff and pooba that's the a chocobo. word okay thank you it's a word you can choose the big pumba uh he closed the show getting back to the big DoorDash tease with a new trailer for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which just to set this up at a time, I think context is important for this because, you know, I'm very excited about this game. And I thought, and I think everybody thought that Square had to be all in on Final Fantasy XVI promotion because that game is coming out in a matter of weeks. And so it's like, once that's out the door, we can all enjoy that. And then we can get to the real thing, the real kit and caboodle, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, and so they've been doing these Q and A's on Twitter from the official account talking about Final Fantasy seven rebirth over the last week, but they have genuinely been the most boring vanilla things I've ever seen a publisher put out where it's like, can you describe the gameplay of Final Fantasy seven rebirth? And then it says, yes, we can. It, it will, it will thrill you with action, but also some RPG like choices. Thank you. Stay tuned for more. Like it was, a whole series of these, and they were each more boring than the last. Um, and then just today, they had one <laughs> where they said, like, hey, uh, when are we going to learn more about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth? And it says, we'll be sharing more information very soon. And so I saw that and was like, that's cute. Okay, maybe in the Summer Game Fest, or sorry, for the Game Awards, they have a trailer or something to lead into the next year and stuff. But by God, they were teasing it for later today. And they showed so, so much of this trailer. you hear very soon, you think, six months from now yes i do honestly it's like anybody can say soon or very soon whatever that's actually a fair point i i I retract that um but then this trailer just kept going i mean it's a three and a half minute trailer which blew my damn mind um kyle what do you think of it man you weren't there for the reaction stream um it's one of those no, no nothing negative honestly it's it's one of those things where it's like i i still don't have the connection to the original game yeah uh, so I'm just excited for a sequel to that uh, 2020 game yep. that I really liked. And so that's kind of where I'm at with that, where it's like, this kind of looks like an extension of that. It looks cool. I, and I and I assume that there's a bunch of, for people like you, Ben, there's probably a lot of things you're like, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? Where I didn't get a lot of that. I was just excited to see like, all right, it's kind of, it's in the future. It's not a game that's going to take a million years. Maybe next year, did they have a Early 2024, they said, yeah. Okay, yeah, so that's very exciting. And then, um yeah so that that was kind of my sort of i i my like small reaction i was like great love that this is a coming next it's confirmed that's actually footage but i didn't i'm not drawing a lot of like 
uh, epiphanies from it. Right, right. Yeah, that's kind of there's there's a lot that was super exciting. I mean, I, I had chills uh, watching it. It was just so fun to see so many new details and stuff that we can unpack here. But that was kind of my takeaway afterwards. I was thinking like, oh man, I I was worried thinking about people like you and Jeffum about like, do you remember how complicated the lore was for Final Fantasy VII Remake and like where they left off and like the multiple timeline theories. Even if you factor in then like the Yuffie DLC, like how all that stuff ties together, watching this trailer, it's like, it's just, it is delightful, but it is a real can of worms of just like the ending of Final Seven Remake and then a little bit of Integrate in there, but then also just like the complexities of the original game and like the idea of, for me, I have a tough time trying to go through and be like, okay, so that ambulance shot, that's the Zack timeline then but then these other guys are on the other time so like for you guys i can't even imagine how much you're just going to like okay i pretty things on this uh, on the screen i'm good yeah i mean yeah. It, you go ahead for, Jeff. for me for me it just completely washes over and it's like oh that's right i remember barrett and cloud were in this game <laughs> oh, no. now they're now they're fighting new giant b- bosses so that that seems cool i yeah. want to play that okay wow all right uh yeah it's funny is wearing like a halloween store cowboy costume right fighting sephiroth yeah hell yeah um that's oh god kyle it's very exciting oh my god can i ask i don't know do we want to ask spoilery questions for the implication is that uh, sephiroth kills tifa is that something from the original game or is that like it's interesting there's there's new layers to it so tifa doesn't well no <laughs> i don't okay. know it's a confusing... we don't have to get too deep well, into it, but, I, but, to like, but that's yeah. like my general reaction watching that thing it was like oh, i wonder if that's a big deal oh i wonder if that's a big deal right isn't it, right. Isn't it deep in the original like story as what well, i yeah. heard or are they being true to the original story so like maybe people like you ben are like i don't know what might happen because they're kind of just going off the rails well so it's a confusing thing the way they've kind of pitched it is it's like well we're gonna hit the big events of obviously seven but now there's kind of this undertone where truly anything can happen and like most of this trailer the fun part is it's like oh my god they're in calm they're clearly doing clouds past which we saw in the past trailer as well and so kyle maybe that tifa shot is a factor of in that storyline it is just a heads up um and so it's like well, okay i have played the vita game now which whose name i forgot the psp yeah the uh, yeah, psp crisis game, core yeah. Yeah. Crisis Core. I have played Crisis Core now, so okay. you know, a yeah. little bit more about Cloud's Past. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, oh, God, you just have a confusing version of Final Seven story in your head now if it's like, you know, Crisis Core, but not that stuff. But like, they, so a lot of the, my favorite stuff in the original Final Fantasy Seven is a lot about Cloud's brain, if you will, and just like how he's perceiving reality. Um, and so that is the fun thing with this trailer is they're starting to really play with that stuff. You know, like the big narration is it's, Oh, it's my favorite stuff where it's Tifa, like, asking Aerith, like, hey, where has Cloud been the last five years? And Aerith is like, uh, I was going to ask you that. Like, that, that, that is some of my favorite weird stuff from Final Fantasy VII. Um, and so it's fun to see them mess with that. And so many things are here from the original game. And then, like, the new wrinkle is there's that weird shot of Sephiroth where he's like, oh, they say she's a monster. And he's talking about Genova, his his big bad mommy there. Uh, where he's like, oh, they say she's a monster. But she can become who you love. So who is truly around you? Are you who they think they are? Like, and so that's an angle that is new as far as I know. Um, so there's definitely, it's a lot of iconic scenes from Seven to get fans excited. Like you get to see Bugenhagen, 
Bugenhagen fans out there, rise the up. Chat like, went crazy when oh old my man god, he's just up. he's a stupid he's a stupid old man. I don't even want to spoil, I guess, like his connection to other characters. But I heard he, you gasp when you saw. Uh, he's him. just he's just a. <laughs> With all due respect to Bugenhagen, he's just a stupid old floating guy who goes, Ooh, let me show you what the live stream is. Ooh, here's the planets. And he's just kind of like exposition man, but he okay. flies around like a little green butt. He's iconic. He's iconically silly. And so like seeing okay. just like an HD version of him is something that we've never seen. And so seeing like, <laughs> oh, they actually have this old man in a robe flying around teaching you about the live stream. Like, that's so exciting. Or seeing like Elena the Turk in here is exciting. Or seeing the town I call Junin, but everybody makes fun of me. And it's actually called Junon or some nonsense. Like seeing that on the horizon is super exciting. So there's a ton in there. And then even seeing like Yuffie now in the main party. And there's shots too of like where it's Barrett and Red 13 fighting by themselves. Or it's like, I don't, how far ahead are we getting here in the story? It, it's interesting to try and piece together where that's coming from. And Jeff, the also exciting part is they used... For the music in the trailer, it's one of my favorite tracks from Seven Remake, and it's not in the original, but it's called Valkyrie. And it's just like it was a boss fight when you're way up top and the sun is setting and you fight like this flying thing. And the boss music fight is just called Valkyrie, and it's so damn good. And I love that they highlighted that of all the music uh, here instead of just going full nostalgia blast for some callback to the original game's music and stuff. But um, yeah, uh, super exciting to see. I think the big question, Kyle, which you probably remember we talked about is like, oh, are they going open world here? Because that's kind of the right. structure it would be is you get to the world map at the end of where the last game left off. And it seems like not really. It's kind of what we thought was going to be, which is kind of more open region, but still big outdoor type stuff. A little bit more like 16 probably, right? Yeah, I think 16 is supposed to be pretty linear, I think. Okay. Right? They've said as much, I believe so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's still big outdoor environments. But yeah, uh, early 2024, and then uh, the weird twist at the end is they said it's coming on PS5 and it has two discs. Everyone, two discs. <laughs> two discs. Oh, I love that. Discs. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Uh, I don't because, <laughs> because that means you're going to finish the first disc and then you're going to have to install the second disc, which means you're I'm going to have to you're erase just gonna another the game. I'm the only gigabytes. stupid idiot that's going to go to the store and buy two discs. I suppose that's true. Yeah. <laughs> All the digital PS5 But, but, that, but that means like, oh. I'm going to have to... I know, I know. So I, so I'm going to have to install a 200 gigabyte game right. when I download it? You get to. Yeah. yeah. You get to. Two Red Dead Redemptions that. too. That's right. That's so much. Well, Jeff like wouldn't, he wouldn't know how much that kingdoms. is. <laughs> it's sad to think about. Yeah. But, uh, so but it has to be open world by that logic because right. what else do they fit in there? Yeah. Exactly. Hopefully it's just really high quality versions of that Valkyrie track over and over again. Um yeah, also, I think the combat stuff looks really cool. Like, just the little clips that they yeah. showed where it seems a little more dynamic with the camera, and it's like Tifa and Cloud were, like, back-to-back, and they, like, got out of the way for, like, Aerith to shoot a blast of magic. It's like, that seemed like something that wouldn't exist in the in the last game. So, cool stuff. They got Hojo in there. They got Chocobo Farm. All the stars are out here for Final Seven Rebirth. Uh, very exciting. Um, yeah, it looks great. Hey, Kyle, man, it does look great. It's exciting. It, it, it also, it's that it's the very Keely thing, but I do like it. <laughs> Where you can tell where his bread's buttered because he ended that by being like, thank you so much, Katase-san. Thank you for letting us show the Prophets of the Reaper thing. It feels a little bit like when they finally got the Elden Ring reveal, he could not have bent over uh, backwards harder uh, thanking the team with From Software for letting him reveal it. So it's good on him for navigating that to get the big reveal for this. Uh, people are saying in chat, Remake came with two discs on PS4. 
Oh, did it? God, I forgot about that. Well, this is PS5. I mean, Red, we, we talked about Red Dead 2. That was another two-disc game. Right. What you do is you you. It's not yeah. that you switched halfway through. It's just that you like installed a bunch from disc one, then you use disc two to play the game. It was, it was weird. So yeah. It's probably like that. Uh, but solid show. I mean, the seven trailer that pushed it over the edge for me, where I liked it more than the PlayStation Showcase. But does anybody else have a hot take on ranking these things so far? It wasn't also, a Haley show like, okay. for me personally. It wasn't the, a lot of stuff that I was super excited about, but it was fine. I'm not like, oh, like again, like we could have just had nothing. So I'm not, I'm not trying to complain about yeah. the stuff I get. You got I think I was more excited by the PlayStation Showcase ultimately. Um, me too. Because yeah. Delta really just, I don't know. I don't think I've been on MinMax talking about it, but that was like really. Like a solid three? I didn't see that coming weirdly, despite the rumors. So it was like super exciting. Yeah, we talked about Even it. On... We don't know who's making it. Well, they said now that it's like Konami, and then also I think a team was it in Singapore. I forget, but um, yeah, I assume it was like a Konami internal something. Right? Yeah, we talk more about that on Party Chat, our bonus podcast, uh, taking calls from the community and stuff. I'm like, I'm kind of, I was very excited for that. I love Metal Gear Solid Three, but as time has gone on, I'm starting to get a little more and more worried about like original VO, like how faithful are you going to be? Like are these just going to be kind of HD, but kind of janky versions of animating the other characters I don't, i'm a little worried about the production yeah. value i think like, i think that's fair i it's just one of those things that i'm very excited to see what it ends up being right, right. like I, I like twin snakes in partnership with the original game you know what i mean mm-hmm. i like that that weird thing exists so i'm curious to see what delta looks like yeah yeah even if it's disappointing you know we'll still have metal gear solid 3 it's not gonna erase that legacy but. god bless you kyle that's true um, speaking of legacy, we should uh, point out one thing that was announced um, at uh, Day of the Devs. Kyle, I don't know if you have everything up on the second screen. Is anything else you want to shout out or anything? But uh, an exciting thing is uh, the new game from the creators of Chicory uh, called Beastie Ball, everybody. Uh, Chicory, uh, Minmax's game of the year for 2021. Kyle, have you seen this thing? Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's like Pokemon-inspired turn-based volleyball, which we which, all called that coming. Like uh-huh. After we finished Chicory, we're like, well, I know what's coming next from these folks. Right, right. Uh, yeah, uh, did you just watch the trailer on uh, Day of the Devs then? Yeah, yeah, okay. just the Day of the Devs thing. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And there's, there's a, a fun little thing where they, they focused in on, uh, he has manga on his shelf in the Day of the Devs stream for Haikyuu, yes. which is like a really good volleyball anime manga. <laughs> yeah yeah hell yeah no yeah for sure so the fun thing is the developers um they were actually in town for summer games done quick last week and so uh alexis and greg lobanov uh from the team actually came to the minmax studio which is code for just my basement uh and we got to hang out with them and sarah pozorski and i got to play the game um, oh, very cool! Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, look forward to that video. It'll be going up uh, over the weekend at some point on Minmax's YouTube channel for kind of an extended thing. It's just fun to have like a developer interview in the studio. Um, but yeah, they were very open. I love it. It's like, yeah, no, it was Pokemon and Haikyuu. Uh, turns out it was just like the exact yeah, inspiration nice. for this. Awesome. But also, I mean, uh, you know, full disclosure, they were a little worried about like we don't Pokemon has so many expectations around it like we don't want just to be like we're making a pokemon game because it's like it is different it's kind of a creature collecting game and it's much more of an open world rpg they want to focus on that more than don't think of it as just one-to-one pokemon here because it is more tactical as well with the volleyball that you're playing here um but it seems it seems super cool um and you know it's it's fun to hear 
them talk about like, oh no, we actually love volleyball. Like we got friends together and we've played a lot of volleyball over like the last five years and we think it rules. And so this isn't like a tongue in cheek homage to sports. Like eh, your sports ball. It's like, no, we think volleyball is cool. And we're trying to highlight what's cool about it through this game. So yeah, check out. I didn't, I never, never assumed, I never, I never considered that they wouldn't like volleyball. Really? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, us video game dorks have a, iffy relationship with sports sometimes so it's nice to see this coming from a place of love volleyball is weirdly fun to play in a gamified way like more than real volleyball i don't know why like the best mario party like mini game is that volleyball one right my my brother and sister and i will just play that over and over instead of mario party (laughs) yeah i mean it's not too far removed from tennis and like tennis games are always surprisingly fun to play in video game form yeah i think the new wii sports had a volleyball game in it i think didn't it? yeah oh yeah, yeah sure uh, but yeah, Beastie Balls, so you can look uh, forward to a little bit more on that from MinMax uh, over this weekend. Thanks to those developers for, for swinging by. Um, hey, you all wanted to talk about Planets of Lana 2? Two? 2? Yeah, you didn't play the sequel, Kyle? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, this is the game uh, from Wishfully, is the name of the developer. Um, Thunderful is the publisher. This is the game that is the game that looks like a colorful version of Inside and Limbo. It's that uh, side perspective, um, I guess, cinematic platformer is the best way to put it, Kyle, right? It also does that thing I love where a character says uh, the, the same word over and over in a different language. So you learn that word of that of their mysterious language, like Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. And, yeah. And uh, The Last Guardian all do that really well. And Planet of Lana does that too. <laughs> oh, really? So it's very much yeah. in that mold. But Haley, you've been playing this thing? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really fun. Um it, yeah, it is very, you know, little nightmares inside limbo, like energy, like right. you're just kind of running by doing puzzles. Um, it's like so strikingly pretty on my monitor. It looked like something about the way that the lines meet, like for the art and but they do that thing, which it's kind of like how Disney used to animate back in the day. Like if you ever watched documentaries of how they animated Bambi or something, it's just like layers upon layers of background that stay stagnant yeah. and you move in the in the foreground. And that is just so pretty to see. And you you don't just stay in the forest, like you jump around to a bunch of different areas and they kind of apply that art style to all those different areas. And it was just so much scale and depth. And it really felt like you were looking into like a little world like, yeah. like, like it almost kind of remind me when I played um, Moss in VR because mm. you're looking down and it's like a scaled thing, but it's still flat on my screen. It kind of is like that immersive. I was like, oh, my gosh, so pretty. And it also had a, a lot of variation in gameplay. Like, yeah, it was mostly like it was like 80, 75 percent, 80 percent, just like the puzzles you'd expect from like an inside or something. Right. But every so often it would switch it up and do something a little different. Like at one point you have to balance your little buddy on a on a robot and not let him get hit by electric fields on either side. You're like, Oh, like all of a sudden you're doing that instead. And then there was some like press the button as fast as you can to get away. Like that kind of stuff was implemented. And something else I liked about it too, was kind of with those games, it's just like scaled up difficulty puzzles. Like every single one after each one is harder, no matter what, until you reach the end. But this one kind of would do like easy, medium, hard, easy, hard 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 easy medium hard hard and it would like split it it. up and i was trying to figure out if i liked that or if i just wanted it to be like scaled up difficulty like what i was used to and i kind of landed on i liked it i kind of liked that i just did a really hard puzzle and this one i just have to move a branch and it's like back to basics and now i'm on to the next area it was was, like they did a good job balancing yeah those kind of things which i feel like those 
every other game in that genre kind of just does the scale up difficulty thing. Yeah, for sure. I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, you're totally right. It's always a relief. It's kind of the equivalent of like when you get to a final boss and it's like, oh, they're not they're not actually the hardest boss in the game. But just that with puzzle games can be really relieving. It's like, I guess the equivalent of like getting to a shrine in Tears of the Kingdom and it's like, oh, this one... Uh, Grace of Raru or whatever, like we'll just give you the prize right now. Raru's like, oh, blessing. Yeah. Raru's blessing. Please forgive me. Uh, like getting here was the hard part. Here you go. Keep going. Right, right. Yeah. That's nice. Um, yeah, it's on uh, Planet of Lana. It's on Game Pass. I played the demo and and I liked it. I kind of want to go back to it. I guess it's like six hours long. And you beat it, Haley? Like five. Oh, okay. I think I ended at like five in a bit. Um, but you definitely like could get bogged down with a couple of the puzzles if it doesn't come to you right away but mm. they weren't none of them were like i need i didn't need to google anything like it was just like you just need to take a second and go huh and think about it and move through it's fine yeah right on uh kyle are you liking it though yeah i'm not very far i think i'm like an hour and a half in it's like my first post tears of the kingdom game oh that's you know? tough that's tough man. <laughs> uh which i spent a lot of time in tears of the kingdom so i have to sort of realign myself but uh, i i want to keep playing it i want to finish it i like what i play yeah, right on. Planet of Lana is the name of that thing. And it reminded me of something, Ben, you said like years ago. Oh, no. When you're talking about inside, you're like, it's made of clay. I don't know if you remember talking about that, but it's always yeah. stuck in my head since then. It, I think it might have been. It was years ago. I do remember you said that. said that about inside, and I think about that with other games, and this is another clay game. Like, it's not just like zeros and ones. Like, it's it feels like clay. Like, yeah. everything feels very integrated mm-hmm. and together and solid and good. Thank you for remembering that, Haley. Yeah, that was that, that is how we feel about in inside. Head. Yeah, it's like it doesn't feel like it's made of pixels. It's just like the most rock solid, Someone weird feeling took thing. A lump of mass and like put it in, and that's how it feels. <laughs> like it moves around. Yeah, but I don't really know how to describe that other than just like the way it plays. Just feels like that. Yeah, right on. Uh, hey, Jeffum, I'm not going to ask you how this whole thing operates. Um, that's good. But I'm going to ask you sure. um, if you like presents. Do I? Well, then check this out. Uh, we are very happy to say that we've partnered up in a, a very small way, but uh, we're delighted to have it um, with Raw Fury because they published a game that we talked about a couple weeks ago on the podcast called Mr. Sun's Hatbox. If you recall, Leo and I were playing this game that is, they describe it as a slapstick roguelite platformer. Um, I think another shorthand that we could use is it's kind of Spelunky meets Metal Gear Solid 5. If you remember Leo and I talking about it, we talked about how much we really were enjoying this weird thing and building up your team, building out your base, and then just like rapid fire, very silly things. Uh, a lot of fun systems in there. It's a very Leo Vader style game, if you recall this thing. So the fun thing is that uh, thanks to Raw Fury, uh, we're giving away 300 Steam codes for Mr. Sun's mm-hmm. Hatbox. So... If you choose to support independent games media uh, this Thursday, June 8th, or Friday, June 9th, only for those two days, if you jump in and support us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash minmax with two N's, at any tier, or if you upgrade your tier, try a higher tier, we will send you a Steam code for Mr. Sun's Hatbox, a game that we genuinely think is cool. When we're going through options of like which game to do for the giveaway. It's like, I can't imagine anybody not liking Mr. Sun's Hatbox. So it seems like such a safe pick. It'll run on every computer and it is quite cool. So if you want to help support independent games media, again, you can jump in at even the $2 tier over there on Patreon. Help support us out and then we will send you a message. We have 300 Steam codes to give away. So the first 300 people to jump in or to up their tier 
will get a free Steam code for Mr. Sun's Hatbox. We'll message you right on Patreon, but you only have Thursday or Friday to jump in there. Uh, so thank you to Raw Fury for making this whole thing possible, and shout out to Mr. Sun's Hatbox and the developer, Kenny Sun. All right, that's it. And now Jeff and I might ask the, do you know how this whole thing operates? Well, I hope it's presents. No, I'm sorry. There's nothing to do with presents. It's Patreon, everybody. Hey, I know this URL. Patreon.com slash minmax the two ends. Find the tier that's right for you or try a higher one just for one month to get that free Steam code. Uh, and thank you to some of MinMax's biggest supporters. We're talking about people like HelloFresh. HelloFresh, everybody. Uh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that is, of course, why it's America's number one meal kit this hello fresh place kyle yes um do you like uh acting and role-playing not as much as you okay i'm gonna be um your friend in the kitchen and then you're in the living room playing games are you ready all right <clears throat> kyle i'm cooking up hello hold, fresh. hold on let me finish this kyle hold, let me hold on can i just finish this boss kyle we've all talked right, go about ahead, go ahead go ahead can you pause it yes i can pause it Okay, good. Because you're playing that other game the other day that you couldn't pause, and it was frustrating. Yes, no, I agree. Is it paused? Until two. It's paused. Yeah. Kyle, uh, I'm, yes. I'm cooking up your fresh meal with Hello Fresh. Remember when they dropped off that box of beautiful pre-portioned ingredients? Yeah, it was. It was quite beautiful. It was. I remember saying that. And remember, Kyle, you 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 got to choose what I was cooking, and it was so easy to cook. It took, like, just 20 minutes. And did you choose Szechuan pork ramen stir-fry, one-pan Santa Fe pork tacos, or coconut chicken curry? I forget what I cooked. Uh, one-pan Santa Fe pork tacos, obviously. Kyle! You know I'm a taco man. Your one-pan Santa Fe pork tacos are ready. Come on into the kitchen. Eat it up. Yum, yum. Hell yeah. Is that the sound of you eating? Insane. <laughs> so just to be clear, every time you eat, you always say, hell yeah. If they're pork tacos. Hell yeah. Uh, stuck in a recipe rut, they want to know? Take a bite out of something new with 40 recipes to choose from weekly with options to please even the pickiest weirdo eaters. You'll always find meals everyone on the Come table on. will enjoy. This summer... Was, this was all a setup to call me that. <laughs> this summer, HelloFresh is here to take the work out of eating well. Reach your goals with delicious calorie smart and protein smart lunch and dinner options, plus new vegan recipes as well. Oh, Heads up, Cereal Vasquez. HelloFresh Market has new snacks, meals, and more to add to your weekly order, like their fun s'mores bundle for the kids. A new thing for a cereal to review on his uh, Instagram account, all about reviewing s'mores things. Um, my HelloFresh chicken is literally defrosting in my kitchen right now. Really? With the brand. That does yeah. help with the brand. It's good, right? Like, I, I, don't I like HelloFresh, yeah. <laughs> every time a new box shows up at the door, I am genuinely thrilled. Uh, so here's what you can do. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash MinMax16 and use code MinMax16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh.com slash MinMax16 and use code MinMax16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping, everybody. That the cost is why. of living crisis in Canada? That's that's an insane amount of money. You should do that if you're Canadian. There it is. Canadian folks, yeah. jump on in. Uh, also, thank you to Rocket Mortgage. Jeff, you know what Rocket Mortgage is? No. Let me tell you what Rocket Mortgage is. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. And it's all in one convenient place. Um, they alert you to a change in your spending if something's out of line. Like, uh, Kyle, you seem like a uh, frugal man. Picky weirdo. Picky <laughs> weirdo. When it comes and to money. Stingy. 
But do you ever do you ever have that uh, situation where you're looking at like your checking account? And you're like, what the hell is this? You know that type of th that feeling no, that we all get? Yes. That is what yeah. That is what Rocket Mortgage is all about. They're here to help you prune out all of those. Wait a minute. What is this? What is going on over here? Uh, Rocket Mortgage is the one-stop shop for you. They say, hey, rising prices, stressing you out? Haley, maybe this is you. If you're looking for ways to cut costs, you need Rocket. <laughs> what, what words have I been saying? Have I been saying Rocket I, Mortgage? I think you said rocking mortgage a few times. Uh, it's called Rocket Money. A rocket, like a rocket ship, right? It's called Rocket Money. Okay. Rocket money. That okay. makes so much more sense. I know. Sense I that I was very rocket mortgage the whole time. I was like, mortgage. Why is a mortgage company? Yeah. That's right, everybody. Rocket money. Over three million people have used rocket money, saving the average person up to seven hundred and twenty dollars a year. Good lord. Rocket money helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses. You can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks a little bit off. So stop throwing money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash minmax. Of course, Jeffum, that's rocketmoney.com slash minmax. One more time, rocketmoney.com slash minmax. And thank you, of course, to our dear friends at I Am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know about the Red Lantern vinyl soundtrack. Kyle, you remember Red Lantern, right? That, uh, it's a mush, mushing game? Yep, the one that's all or about mushing. Mush. But not the beginning of Metal Gear Solid, in that weird cutscene where Snake talks about it. This is the game where it's all about actually dog sledding. But if you go to I'm 8-Bit's wonderful online store, you can get the vinyl soundtrack to the Red Lantern with music by Harishikesh Hirway, uh, album art by Haley Wakefield. There we go. So if you go to I'm 8-Bit's wonderful online store, you can use the promo code National Donut Day for 10% off everything under $100. Truly help support uh, I'm 8-Bit. Uh, they have a wonderful store and they're doing the whole day of the devs that's just happening right now. They're a very cool company. Check out their online store. We promise you'll be impressed and you can use that promo code National Donut Day, no space for 10% off everything under $100 and help support them because they support the MinMax community in a big bad way by giving away a prize each and every week. This week, I'm 8-Bit is giving away uh, the vinyl soundtrack to Cuphead, The Delicious Last Course. Vinyl soundtrack. Just shipping it out to whoever has the best question. So here we go, everybody. Look alive. Choose the absolute best question submitted over on Patreon. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, not only if you're in the next 300 people, do you win a code for Mr. Sun's Hatbox, which is a game that's cool. But then also you can submit a question over on Patreon. We choose your favorite, and I it ships out a wonderful prize. All right. Ready for these hot questions, Jeff? Ready. You say that, but truly, are you ready for this? I don't know. All right. Probably not. Jared Meyer writes in. They say, hey, the Apple Vision Pro is the first headset that actually feels like something out of Ready Player One. Between headsets finally between headsets finally feeling like they're going mainstream and all the AI tools we now have, do you feel like we're careening towards a totally disconnected lifestyle where even our thoughts and creativity are going to be partly digital? Do any of you now relate to your parents slash grandparents' generations bemoaning new technology and feeling like it's cheapening society and the world around us? Or are you more optimistic? <laughs> optimistic. I, people were really like, uh, when the iPad was announced, everyone I feel like kind of had similar reactions. 
and of just like, what do we need this? This thing is so expensive. Man, and, do you remember like that day they announced the iPad? I remember everyone made fun of it so much, and it was trending on Twitter. People with the joke "I tampon." Yeah, because yeah. everyone made that Hilarious. joke. It was, it was what real. year was that? Two thousand nine or ten? Yeah, peak. Yeah, two thousand ten. Over. So like funniest stuff ever. <laughs> so in that sense, I'm kind of like, yeah, we'll we'll see when it's actually in people's hands. But on the other hand, I'm like, I don't, I don't. This isn't how I want to engage with computers. <laughs> really, I like VR as like an entertainment thing, but I don't know if I want it to be like the way I'm uh, sort of working. You know, I don't know if I want to be. I do a lot of writing. Like, I don't know if I want to have a headset on while I'm like writing. Yeah. Which is kind of, I feel like Apple's pitch is like, Hey, you could do your work in here. <sighs> I don't know, it's man. We'll, fun. we'll see. But man. I don't think it's like dead in the water. Like a lot of people are really? like, Oh, this is too expensive. We don't need this thing. And I, I but I think when it's out, I think I, I, there will be, you know, people who spend a lot of money on computer technology will sing its praises and it will have an audience. I don't think that audience will be me. Okay, let's set the scene a little bit. So Apple, they unveiled uh, this week Apple Vision Pro, which is their long rumored, long in development VR, AR headset. Basically VR headset, except it has cameras on the outside and cameras on the inside. So they're trying to highlight that like, oh, it's like a pass through camera. So you'll still see your room and it's not going to disconnect everybody because now if someone looks at you, there's a camera facing inside and they put a video of your eyes on the outside. It just looks like somebody put googly eyes on a VR headset. That's so dystopian. Okay. Yes. And, yeah. and the thing is, yeah, it costs $3,500. And Kyle says it's not it's dead in the water, which is stunning to hear. How much is a brand new, like, high-end Mac computer? I mean, cheaper than that. I mean, a MacBook. Sure? A MacBook. If you buy, like, a new Mac, like, state-of-the-art, Computer like a desktop computer sure. with a high end like monitor. How much are we talking? Like two grand, three grand? Let me look at the Mac lineup. Laptop is probably like twenty three hundred something like that. Yeah, but you by, have by to the way, I'm not defending it. Face like, to use it, <laughs> right? Right is, is the question. Yeah, to be clear. It's like I'm not defending it. I'm just saying like there are people who spend this much on this technology every year. Yeah, so we did a, a Twitter. If it was poll. a PlayStation Six for that price, I'd be like, well, you better start saving. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I would be, I would be on board. Yeah, I did, I did a Twitter poll just to see where everybody was at right when it was announced. Like, hey, what are the odds that you'd ever buy an Apple Vision Pro? And it's like 0%, 50%, or 100%. And 100%, I think it was 3% of people were coming in at that. Oh, Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and so it's like there is that slim, I guess, people in the Apple cult. But like, boy, this... Yeah, Kyle, I guess you're right. You never know which direction it's going to go, but for everyone getting their butt kicked in the VR sales space, it feels like over the last yeah, yeah. seven years for Apple to be like, and now us. And it's, it's uh, how much more six times more expensive than the meta quest three, which was just unveiled. Like, are you out maybe, of your mind? Maybe minds? I'm also, this is colored by me just watching Blackberry, that movie Blackberry. Oh yeah. I hear it's good, which is fantastic. I highly recommend it. And that was very much like, you know, a big part of that movie. It's like iPhone. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so he's trying to cover all bases um but man that whole press conference and the reveal of the apple vision pro like i know ben you know it doesn't track where you're looking it does it does not is Wait, that really a, i just thought that How was the weirdest it, selling point how does it not do a bunch of 
Oh, no, I mean, it doesn't like track it for your privacy's purpose. Oh, <laughs> I see. Because that's part of the tech is that it does. It has oh, eye tracking on the inside. That cracked me up so much watching it. They had it like a big display. It was like, we won't track where you're watching. I'm like, this is weird. That felt They're going to do that. It's gonna get Everything is yeah. dystopian. Like <laughs> the part that blew my damn mind is they're showing off like, look what you can do. It's like you can use your hands. And it, it is cool tech to have like, you know. You don't have anything in your hands. You can kind of resize things and like, oh, you can watch a movie and then make the screen bigger. It's like, I also feel like this was in the HoloLens presentation from seven years ago, but sure. Uh, but like, you can resize the movie screen. It's like, yeah, but also it comes with a battery pack you have to have in your pocket at all times. And it only has a two hour battery life. So they're showing clips from Avatar. And it's like, you couldn't even watch that. You'd have to take a break for the <laughs> battery to recharge. Um, but the thing that just chilled me to my core is in the presentation where it's like, buy this it's the new era of spatial computing it's not vr it's the new era of spatial computing think of all the things you can do look at this thirty five hundred dollars for a meditation app and it shows somebody meditating with the thirty five hundred dollar headset on with just like an orb in their living room gestating and the part that just killed me is i watched good morning america's segment on it which you know it's not the most hard-hitting uh journalist out there but Girl, is it like on YouTube? Or yeah, it was you on like YouTube. No, okay, no, I didn't no. know if you were waking up early to watch Good Morning America or something. I would want you, no, God, you're allowed, if I ever confess to that, you're allowed to come over and just put a pillow over my head uh, while I'm still <laughs> sleeping because I need to be stopped. But no, so it was like Robin Roberts checking this out. And it just felt like every VR piece of press BS from 2016 where she's like, whoa, look at this, whoa. And then after that whole thing, she was back on the Good Morning America table and they're like, so Robin Roberts, you seemed impressed by the Apple Vision Pro what would we use it for? What do you think you would actually use it for? And she thought for a minute and she goes, meditating, meditating, I think. And it's like, uh, all right, what are we doing here? I do not like this version of yeah. the future. If it's like, buy this headset so you can meditate in your living room. Good God. Um, but I've rambled yeah, the enough. The practicality of it is the thing that I'm like, I don't know what I would use that for. No. You know, I like, I like VR video games, but I'm excited for Quest 3. That I'm more interested in. Yeah, because sure. it's like 500 bucks and looks better and it'll control a little bit better in the end. Yeah, yeah, sure. I feel It'll like Apple lighter. might be the company to kind of get good branding deals with things other than games, though, like other entertainment aspects, like even like the Taylor Swift concert thing where tickets were getting scalped. Like what if Taylor Swift collabed with Apple for you to have mm. front seat Ooh. view of her concert from home and only get that on the apple vision you know that kind of stuff or the lakers like now sponsored by apple front seat the lakers for the whole year for 12 dollars. you know like that kind of weird stuff it's maybe only apple that could do that i still just can't imagine that that would come together and that would actually move anybody's needles to buying it like maybe I... in like five generate like this is the ipod nano of the of vr tech for apple like we're st the fact that i think we're gonna look back at the eye thing and be like what the heck but they'll still keep making vr stuff just fine-tuning what's needed and what's not like they're right. being gimmicky right now because like people like my grandparents are like what like they still have to describe what a vr headset is oh. but maybe in 20 years we'll be enough used to it that they can just be like here's the new one it does this this and here are the brand deals and buy it if you want <laughs> yeah i, I I don't know. All I keep seeing are are news stories of like that Gen Zers are buying dumb flip phones now because they're right. so disillusioned yes. with like their parents, yeah, being on smartphones all the time. And it's like you still got to convince people to strap this to their face, like like that mm -hmm. is such yeah. a deal breaker for 
for any kind of technology, like the last thing I want are I don't care how high definition your your monitors are. I don't want them an inch away from my eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And it just won't look as it won't they, look they as don't. good as like a high end 4K TV. It just won't. No. no. Like like you're always going to get better visuals on a television. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no worries. <laughs> Made a stupid Fort, uh, Futurama joke. Oh, it's googly eyes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was, I was like, this is so dumb. I, I'm horrified by them trying to hit the marketing of like, no, 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 it's not VR. No, 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 it's not ER. This is spatial computing, completely different, completely different. But then I was like, you know what? This is dumb, but I do, I will give it up. I like Apple products. I do love the Apple store experience. Like I think every time I go to an Apple store, I'm always like, God damn, that is, that is a store, ladies and gentlemen. And I applaud on my way in and out. But I was like, at least it'll be exciting to like try one in an Apple store. Cause they, they're, you know, they're going to have demos for it. But then I was listening to a podcast that somebody was talking about actually trying it. And like, you have to calibrate a lot of stuff. Like, I don't think it's going to be as easy as like, go to the Apple store and slip one on. Because like during this demo, when they let press check it out, they had to like scan their face. They literally scan their ears, Mark Cerny style, like the PS5. And then to like calibrate it for um, like their lenses and their glasses. And like, it took a while to get set up. And it's like, I don't even know if they're going to have demos in the Apple stores out there. Uh, Are we not frightened by this type of data collection also? Like, that's frightening how much data they're going to have of us. No, like, but Kyle, no, but Kyle said they aren't going to track where you look, Haley. So it's yeah, and fine. I trust them. Yeah, it's, it's never done us wrong. Privacy policies. Senators didn't have <laughs> to write them letters to tell them to stop tracking us as we moved around. Yeah. That never happened. That's a good time. Hey, Kyle, you being sarcastic? That happened. They they said Apple stopped tracking where we're going. Yeah, Al Franken senators. had to write them a letter and he wrote this public letter of like Apple why are you tracking everybody and Apple was like oh uh, we're, sorry we'll turn that off <laughs> it's just because it seems like Apple's messaging recently has been like we're the privacy friendly company over like yeah. the last three years I feel like they've been hitting that harder and so even with this they're trying that to letter Al Franken wrote him god damn um, <laughs> you talk about Taylor Swift that's one thing Haley but sent the prophet writes in with the most important thing saying everyone's talking about games movies office work on the Vision Pro what's missing is the podcast potential the calls they showed in the trailer could work exactly the same as podcasts. Listeners would sit live at the table, have a side TV showing the game the podcasters are talking about. There's so much potential. The full parasocial immersion is here. Just think of it. You could sit at a table and podcast with us for $3,500. Yeah, my favorite thing about podcasts is how you have to engage with them with your full attention and you can't do anything mm-hmm. else while you're participating in them. Yeah, if you aren't giving us your undivided attention and treating this podcast like you're meditating, only listening to this, I want you to unsubscribe. Hand to God. This isn't like a family from the 50s turning on the radio (laughs) and all sitting around (laughs) in the living room together. Uh, Patrick Hughes writes in and says, Ahoy, good folks, I'm in Max. Most everyone believes that there will inevitably be DLC for the massively successful Tears of the Kingdom because, well, money. Well, of course. Uh, My question, uh, with how jam... You know, Kyle? (laughs) Capitalism, right? Right. Can I go one Don't day like it. without it? Anyways, my question uh, with how jam-packed and massive Tears of the Kingdom is, do you in fact want DLC? And if so, when slash what would you like it to add? I want DLC. For yeah, of course. Of I, want sure. DLC. I want DLC. I want DLC. last DLC added a freaking motorcycle. Like, why wouldn't you want DLC for <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom? I feel like this time they could just release more parts to make stuff with. So you can make your own motorcycle things or whatever like what have you mm. they just like because already people are using like the pots to be joints 
for robots mm -hmm. oh. and stuff? What if they just released parts to make robot making easier? Like, you know, I could see them doing that kind of stuff. That would be good. Yeah, Gersman, good old Jeff Gersman on his podcast, he was talking about like how he really wants like a mode that's just kind of like a creative mode. But I feel mm. like eh, once you get further in the game, I feel like you kind of, there's not too many limits on that stuff. Like I think it's not the yeah. biggest deal to just kind of go nuts and build it on your own. I feel like we've talked about it with the deepest dive, but I feel like if they did DLC and it's like, hey, here is just a huge dungeon that strips you of everything, will give you some quirky tool for the dungeon. All you old Zelda fans, this is what you yeah. want. It's massive. Go nuts. I feel like that'd be a really that'd smart cool. angle for them to take for DLC. Yeah. I, I don't really want extra tools because it's like, I don't, I'm not going to engage with that stuff. Like I know other people will, and they'll make cool TikToks. But mm -hmm. like, I just want, I like, I want more shrines. I want to, that's what the Breath of the Wild DLC was. It was like this really challenging, almost like roguelike, you could almost say mode right. where you had to like make your way through a series of levels, which was really cool. I'd like to do that again with Tears of the Kingdom tools. And then the second one was the one that added a full dungeon. Um, and that's where you unlock the motorcycle and stuff. And yeah. like, I would love that. Like more dungeons, more shrines. That's the stuff I love. Yeah, for sure. What what they should add is you, you're in the depths and you find another hole in the depths and that goes down a whole nother layer, yes. but the whole other layer is just as big as the depths, but it's all just one big dungeon. You, have to work your way you know what they should do? Yeah. And that would not be difficult at all. Right, right. You know what they should do? $5. If you go in a hole in the depths, it should just wrap back around to the sky. And you drop oh, down. And, just drop and you, you, can, you, can, you can find that one place where all three align. So you yep. just oh it's just a portal yeah i think that's a yeah. ted chiang short story actually but it's good the tower babble mm. uh shout out to jacob geller for getting that reference and listening to the podcast um oh by the way good news everybody i i want to take it back for speaking ill will of the twisted metal clip from that show because good news our reaction trailer has now been blocked because of that clip of the godforsaken twisted metal trailer oh my so sorry that's not i don't think they've, i don't think they've published it actually um, good i hope they delete it from hard drives <laughs> like i don't think you can find it as like a standalone youtube video anywhere god damn it Jeez. okay uh all right uh pelican man hey pelican man they say question for Haley: what in your mind's mind is the biggest slash most interesting open legal question around video games for frame of reference uh Haley's alluded to a couple times in the episode but she is a professional lawyer it's so it's uh, so tough to say that Haley. Sorry to interrupt you with your smart stuff. It's so tough to say you're a lawyer without framing it like a real lawyer person. Like I feel like everyone always has to have a jokey lying, way, as opposed to the amateur lawyer. Or... It just it feels like you need to like take the wind out of its sails a little bit. Like it's a weird thing to set up. Like Haley is a lawyer and not put a joke on it. So I'm doing my best to just say the truth, which is Haley you can is. Make a is... joke of it. There's it's not the joke. Is that there's eight thousand million lawyer jokes and they're all funny. Is would you have a favorite? uh well no because i can't because they're always told at expense of us so i don't go seeking them out <laughs> right right i'll google <laughs> make them feel worse. i'll google them while you regale us with truly the um most pressing or most interesting open legal question the in the video game space you can find okay thank you um i think it's pro not to go into too much detail but i think it's probably a tie between like how no one knows what's going on with game mechanic patents right now yeah um including the the people approving them um there's so many getting approved all the time and they're largely just protecting the idea behind the software not the software executing the idea which is what they should be patent protecting but they're really good lawyers are drafting them so that essentially the idea gets protected and no one has deep enough pockets to like push back on these types of things especially indie devs and stuff so 
it might be reaching a point now where devs might have to do patent searches before developing games to make sure that gameplay elements they want to implement aren't already patent protected and things like that, which is just like, oh, like a huge can of worms that we don't want to really open up too much. So are there big cases of publishers cracking down on people? No, because, well, they all go to the District Court of Texas because it's really patent friendly. Like every jurisdiction in the world goes to Texas to patent because they are notoriously like friendly to people filing patents and and um will essentially if you file it there you're if someone tries to push back on it the courts mo- most often favor the patent holder as opposed to someone pushing back against the patent um and i guess some pe- there are some people trying to push back on them but like the classic ones the warner brothers one that everyone kind of got up in arms with the nemesis patent yeah. one but that's one of like thousands that are getting approved right now that i feel like people don't realize that that's just what is good for business right now for those huge companies of course they would just file those to make their ip portfolio look bigger for the shareholders to be happier because there's more value and we can stop other games from doing it blah 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 but it's just like a kind of a bummer because yeah, it's like yeah. not what that system's for that system's for improving tech and then giving you a monopoly for a period of time to like incentivize you to make more tech not to sit on it and be like no one else this is mine like yeah because like like, but no one's really like going after people for like like the nemesis system right like warner brothers isn't going after people that use it but the problem is is like they could at any moment and once that happens like a domino is going to fall is that kind of the danger it's kind of like the same thing with copyright like that we like right to talk to show gameplay footage is infringing copyright, but the it's beneficial for the game studios to let you do that because it's free marketing. But they also right. could rescind it at any time, and so you're kind of like streamer, content creators, whatever, are at the whim of game companies. The same thing with patents; like they could let you make the whole game. Oh, it's almost kind of released, and then be like, no, we don't want you to enforce the patent, and then you potentially have to all the work you just did gets pulled, and it's just yeah, kind of like a risk, right? Like oh, we have such a cool idea, but, you know, this X company, Sega, patented something kind of similar. You'd probably have to get, like, a legal opinion on whether or not they could go after you for it. And even if they do, then you have to push back and say, nope, like, we don't think so. And then that could go to court and be a whole thing, and you're spending millions of dollars now against, like, a major corp, and, like, indie studios just don't do that. So it's just kind of like a, ugh, like, no one even knows what's right. going to happen with that at the moment it's kind of just like a weird thing because that system wasn't made for this kind of industry but it's being applied to it so yeah yeah it reminds right. me of i don't know if you heard this Haley's kind of recent news in the lawyer world but uh, there was a young lawyer and recently and he was defending a businessman in a lawsuit and he feared he was losing the case and he asked his senior partner if he should send a box of cigars to the judge to curry favor and so the senior partner, I don't know if you heard about this, he was horrified. Uh, the judge is an honorable man, he said. If you do that, I guarantee you'll lose the case. Eventually, the judge ruled in the young lawyer's favor. Aren't you glad you didn't send those cigars, the senior partner asked? Oh, I did send them, the younger lawyer replied. I just enclosed my opponent's business card with them. Oh. <laughs> 
Is that a Why joke or a riddle? Kind of just a sneaky <laughs> riddle. It's it's actually it's defined on this list as the number one lawyer joke, but parentheses also the biggest waste of time on a video game podcast. That's interesting. They didn't include I, that. No, there. I actually commend that transition because there was a moment. It took me a few seconds where I was like, yeah. "What is he talking about?" Yeah, <laughs> so it worked. Good I know. Job. I was like, "Whoa, is he going to talk about AI or something?" And then I was <laughs> oh, like, no. "Yeah, the joke." Oh yeah, the joke. Uh, Virgil B writes in. They say, "Hey, when did you start drinking coffee?" I started drinking coffee when I started working and had to get up early in the morning. As a kid, my parents told me drinking coffee would stop me from growing. So maybe it was a combination of early work life and when I stopped growing in height is when I decided it was finally time for coffee. Tragic. Tragic end. I've heard that, that coffee stunts your growth. Really? That's true, right? Oh, I've never yeah. heard that. I think it does. Um, it's kind of a recent thing for me, like last two or three years. Really? Like iced coffee. I've found I like, but then I, I, I drank it a lot, but then I scaled it back because it was making me really anxious. Yeah. So now it's like maybe like two or three times a week, I might have some iced coffee. Mm. What, uh, what puts you over the edge when you're like, it's a coffee day? Uh, just, I, I mean, it's nothing like fancy. It's just like oh. you have those days where you're just extra exhausted, like where you're like nodding off of your desk and I'm like, uh, I should probably, I should probably get some caffeine, mm. but I'm thankful that it's not, it's not something I'm like, I'm required to start my morning yet. Right. <laughs> Any right. day now. <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to remember. I, I think it might have been after college that I got into coffee in a big way. And then it was like the last three years. It's been like all decaf. And then it was like, all right, I'm doing nothing. And then I'll occasionally splurge on decaf. Like if I'm hungover, I'll get a nice cup of decaf. And that's like my weird hangover helper. Um, and now I got to the point where it's like, oh, now I just have decaf every day. And I think it's great. Um, because I'm drinking every night. No, that's not true. Uh, does anybody else have a hot coffee origin story? I started drinking it like right when I started university, I guess, just because I was busier and people who were cooler than me around me were drinking it. And yeah. It was like, like, this is the most tame thing I could be peer pressured into doing. So sure, <laughs> coffee. And now I like drink one a day. Like I really try not to become dependent on it because I know some people who have like six or seven or eight cups a day and i'm like i could not get to that point i think my heart would explode yeah i would do like i was up to three or four cups and i was like you know what this is this is too much it's not good i just don't like that ticking time bomb feeling of like if i'm on a trip or something and i don't get coffee in the morning i know my head's gonna explode it's gonna hurt so bad Mm -hmm. so it's like that that seems terrible and so it's so nice just to be like oh if i don't get coffee in the morning whatever now that you switch to decaf yeah uh red beast writes in and says with ben's little one on the way i'm reminded of how i got into podcasts as a result of long nights spent consoling my little ones back to sleep are there unique habits hobbies or rituals you develop do as a result of life changes somebody got something good (laughs) Haley, perhaps i'm really crazy with lists now like i used to not write lists like things down um at all like at all i just use like notes type up but ever since i started practicing i need to write things down yeah and like check them off for my brain to be like good job and like that feels like it's done now like and I, physical I'm really dependent on it like writing it down physically yeah like i can't really hold it up because it's private client info but just like a bunch of check boxes of like do this thing do this thing and the first thing i'll do when i wake up is just write all the check boxes i need to do today and like maybe i'll have to add two or three as like emails come in but yeah. largely it like really calms me down to just look and be like that's what i'm doing today and i check it off and i just like get a weird thartasis of like, being yeah. like yippee but if i i think if i did that on a computer it wouldn't hit the same it needs to be pen and paper for some that's reason lately yeah i i think it's 
I love, I talked about it not too recently, but uh, on the podcast, but I love having the, like my to-do list and like, mm. you know, just to have it. So I have it portable. I have it on my phone. I have it on the computer. And so the physical thing would be nice, but it's also, it's just too nice because there's always times where I'm just walking around and be like, oh, that's right. I need to email that person about that thing. I got to put that on the to-do list, that type of thing. So, but the physical yeah. thing, that would be nice. Um, you You could just use a Sharpie and draw on your phone. That's interesting. Okay. Spatial computing, it's called. Draw uh, oh. on the inside of your Apple Vision Pro. <laughs> uh, Dylan Kelly writes in and says, Howdy, Min Max folks. Are Jeffum's kid and Ben's kid going to be friends? Yeah, I think so. That'd be cute. Haley, I need you to send letters to Jeffum to make sure that this happens because I would love for it to happen, but I, I feel like it'd be yeah, pulling teeth. I mean, he'll. No. So they'll be like three years two apart? And a half. Two and a half, three years. Okay, apart. that's a that's a chasm. That's tough. Mine you could maybe babysit. Them? Okay, yeah. Oh, can babysit both of our kids? Sure. And make sure that Kyle or that Jeffum's kid doesn't boys, beat up my right? kid. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Tough. <laughs> okay. Boys, boys are more, more, more uh, chaotic. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, Luca Alberti writes in and says, Hey, Min Max, what's your favorite goofy yet charming piece of clothing you found in a game? Mine is the lightning resistant gear from Breath of the Wild. <laughs> trying to remember what that looked like. I like the ridiculous expensive armor in Twilight Princess that uh, costs rupees yeah, yeah. to wear, and it looks awesome, but it's like just drains all your rupees as you wear it. And then oh, once really? you have no rupees, you're like, Oh, and everything's heavy. That's funny. What a weird idea. Yeah. And that like it makes no sense to ever use it, but it's just like cool to be like, I have this and it's in your inventory, but you never whip it out because it's just like a waste. Yeah. Right. Because if you have like one heart left, you're fighting Ganondorf, you could throw it on or something. Yeah. yeah. How do you guys feel about Tears of the Kingdom like like a mask that you might not be able to find? Like yeah, I found it off the beaten path and it's like one of my favorite things I found in the game because it's so weird. weird... Like, do you want to hear about that or should we I don't don't spoil it? Maybe not. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, is it a mask that's like a Zelda callback mask? It is. Yeah, and it has a it has a weird funky ability that I was like that I liked. I never use it, but I was like, that's so smart. I kind of want to huh. hear about it. Can we just say skip ahead? Okay, skip ahead fifteen seconds if you don't want to hear about a mask in Tears of the Kingdom. Okay. You guys remember uh, uh, from Link Between Worlds? Is it uh, Ravio? This is gonna be longer yeah. than fifteen yeah. seconds. Hurry up! Say hurry up! Okay, you can find Ravio's mask, and what it does is it lets you climb uh, sideways faster because it's a throwback to Link oh, Between Worlds. Oh, that's good. That's good. Which that's is, good. I love a lot. I, I never use it, but I was like, that's clever. That I is love good. that. Um, okay. Yeah, I just thought of like, I don't know, was it Breath of the Wild had that stupid shirt that just said Nintendo Switch on it? <laughs> just felt like the grossest oh, yeah. product yeah. placement in there. <laughs> Which yeah. I actually have that shirt because it's just like a red shirt with the Switch logo on it. Right, Nintendo would right. give them away at E3 and stuff. How silly. Um, let's see. Uh, Kyle Silva says, Hey, Ben, Kyle, Jeffman, and Haley. Correct. Um, good guess. Last month, it was announced that We Are OFK is going to change its title to Pop Love Panic, the OFK story, eight months after its release. Would you prefer if more underwhelming titles for games got changed over time? Or do you think it's better just to stick with the original title at that point? It's interesting. I didn't hear about that. I think it's fine. I, I kind of don't love it. But at the same time, it's like, why not do something funky and weird with a game like that? Like, uh, what was the Double Fine game? Trenched. 
trench turned into iron brigade yeah iron brigade was pretty boring but it Mm -hmm. released as iron brigade and i think trenched is a better name but it's always that weird asterisk on that game now yep yep for sure um yeah, I don't know, Haley. It, it, well, it's interesting because I th- go to you for legal stuff, which is why Trench had to change its name. But like, I wonder if OFK, they just, the, their wording is that like, oh, we wanted to make it more approachable. We are OFK felt a little too insidery, whereas this hopefully is actually encapsulating the theme of the game that would be more inviting for folks. I don't know. What's the new one? I do like the new one. Pop Love Panic, the OFK yeah, story. I like that. Sounds well, like an shorter AFI song. And like catchier. Yeah, yeah. So we're all for it. Go nuts! Everybody change the name of your, change the name of your game. Yeah, I mean, it why not? Change it every month. Marketing strategy. But yeah, yeah, it's tough. Change it every month. If there's a really good reason, then you can. Uh, Jason Wojnar wrote in and says, "I drove for the first time today in a parking lot. I feel like nobody ever tells you that cars automatically go forward when they're in drive." <laughs> That's an interesting. Oh yeah, I guess point. no one really does talk about that. Yeah. What do we we want? Like a PSA? Like, it's an interesting idea of like yeah you're right that isn't really talked about that much but i don't know where it would be discussed well in games they never do that well that's exactly where jason's going they say yeah. should video games with a lot of driving adopt a more realistic approach like this like a button that switches from drive to park wouldn't it be funny in gta if you got out of a car and didn't put it in the park didn't put it in park and it started going forward yes that would yes that would <laughs> i've no, never I thought def- about that but yeah I mean, that, but that was a surprise, like, at the time. But you just get past it so quickly because you have so many other things to learn. Right, right. Uh, and there's also some instances where you do stand still for, like, a while and then move forward, right? Like, I feel like sometimes I hit the brake and then the car hangs out for a sec and then moves forward? Or do I, have I never thought about this and it's always moving you forward? You may want to get your car checked out. <laughs> I think it might already... <laughs> I think it's always moving forward a little bit. Uh, oh. Paul Sanchez writes in and says, Hey, Min Max, I randomly turned on Shaun of the Dead to watch with my girlfriend, and I didn't tell her the name of the movie or anything before it started. It was almost 20 minutes in until she was like, Is this a zombie movie? She was <laughs> under the pressure it was a romantic comedy. Do you have any movie stories where you were thinking it's a certain type of movie only to have it be something else entirely? I have a, another zombie thing, and this Ooh. is like a super specific story, but I don't know where, uh, how long ago this was, but it, and I wish I could remember the name. I think Leo once told me what the name of the movie was, and he knew it, but it's like, it looked like just a Spanish documentary, and it was just on my TV playing, and then like, it becomes a zombie movie, but it doesn't, like, it still just looks straight up like a documentary, Ooh. and like, from the perspective of the people who are recording freaking out and stuff, and I... I was like, oh my, like it like really startled me for a second. And I had to like be like, oh no, this is okay. This is fiction. I thought people were getting attacked in the documentary <laughs> and it was real. Not that they were zombies at mm. first. Cause once I realized, oh, it's zombies. They're like, but what? Well, it was in it's, Spanish. It's called Wreck. Been... R-E-C. Mm, I think 2007 Spanish found footage horror film. I yeah. Think I think they did an American remake, I think too, even. Oh, really? Yeah, it, weird. Well, they were speaking Spanish in the version. I do. Do they speak Spanish in the American remake? No, I'm saying that it was a Spanish movie, and then America made its own oh. version. I think it was called like VHS or something. Huh. But yeah. it was like playing on my TV, and I thought, like, oh my god, these people. <laughs> That's <laughs> wild. weird. And then, I was, oh, it's a movie. It's full War of the World stuff. I mean, hats off to the actors, I guess, for pulling that off. Yeah. It's it's a scary movie too. I ended up watching a decent amount of it. Sweet. I was at my brother apparently watched um from dusk till dawn, not Ooh. knowing what that movie was. Oh, I'm jealous. I was I was that, very jealous of that. That would have been an awesome twist to 
Yeah. That, uh, yeah. That that is like that movie has stuck with me because of that. And it, it has made me like perversely satisfied or, you know, like curious of the idea of making a making a really good serious movie for like half the movie and then just jumping the shark with it as as badly as you could right um, and i think it's too easy of a divide to be like well tarantino did the first half then robert rodriguez did the second i think it's like mm-hmm. a full collaboration it just feels so much like a lost tarantino movie for the first half a lot of foot stuff it's the it's the footiest tarantino <laughs> film uh, if it may be so bold uh <laughs> it's on the poster <laughs> run don't walk uh yeah that's a really good one damn it i mean i don't know i I don't know if I can think of a good example for myself. I, I had a quick one. There's yeah. this Drew Barrymore movie, a recent Drew Barrymore movie in 2020 called The Stand-In. And the premise of the movie is she's playing an actor, like a famous comedic actor, and she gets tired of being a comedic actor. So she hires this woman, a stand-in who looks like her, to just do her job for her so she can chill and relax, right? Which sounds like a comedy premise. Right. But it is like a movie about like a stalker. Ooh. It's like a horror movie. It's not a horror movie, but it's like... It is not funny after like the first 10 minutes at all. <laughs> it's like about this woman coming to terms with what she wants from her career and another woman who thinks she's owed all these things because she happens to look like a famous celebrity. And by the end, I was like, that was really sad. <laughs> I did not expect this to be a sad movie. But was it still funnier than the Twisted Metal clip? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Good to know. Um, all right. Uh, what do you like for question of the week? I felt like, look, simple yet effective i feel like the apple vision pro was the biggest talker but yeah, Haley, what, what made the show the best this week which uh which question here improved things i think i gotta go with the apple vision pro one too all right there you go jared meyer of course you just won the cuphead vinyl soundtrack thanks to i'm 8-bit uh so thanks so much for supporting minmax and making this whole thing possible uh now it's time for something that we prefer to call get a load of this <laughs> Uh, all right, Kyle, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, this is super relevant actually to the last question Great. about like seeing a movie, uh, and not knowing. Ooh, what yes, it was. yes, yes. Um, Hayao Miyazaki's next film, which I think is coming out in like a few weeks or something, is not getting any marketing in Japan. So good. They're not doing any trailers. They released a poster, and that's like all they're releasing. And they, and this is like something that they came out and said, like, uh, Ghibli's like you know CEO or whatever. Was like, yeah, we're not doing any trailers. Uh, we find that trailers just ruin the experience. So no trailers. Love it. Uh, Love it. And I was like, yes. Like, le- like I hope whenever that movie gets an American release, which I assume it will, they're able to retain that. I think it's going to be a lot harder for them to do that. I mean, if yeah. especially if Disney's distributing it, like they're going to want to do trailers for it. But I would love to just go to the theater and say like i one for the next Miyazaki movie, please. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> Isn't it called like How to Live? Or something they, yeah and there's like some rumors kind of floating around of what it's about like he made it for his grandkid it and sounds it's like so a, good yeah and it's like but, but i just love that they're just like ghibli's always been good about that like where it's like, like they just have these weird ideas that always pay off like they 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 set a line of like we are not going to make we're only going to make this much money from merchandise every year like stuff like that where it's like and that made the merchandise really cool and valuable because like right. it was hard to come by and it's like it's just that stuff like that where it's like I feel like they're really smart and I'm and I want to see how this pans out for that movie. I'm I'm very excited for that movie obviously and I like the idea of not seeing a trailer for it and going to see it. I hope I'm able to pull that off. Is there a way to watch it right when it releases in Japan or is it just going to be Japanese theaters and then it'll be a while? 
That's a good question. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, because I don't think they're releasing like a subtitled version. Yeah, I'm really not sure. Hmm. Uh, hey, get a little of this. Um, maybe everybody knows this. I didn't know it. Um, Jeff, do you know where the name Venezuela comes from? I do not. Uh, well, according to Wikipedia, according to the most popular and accepted version of the origin of the name, in 1499, an expedition led by uh, De Ojeda visited the Venezuelan coast. It had stilted houses in the area of Lake Maracaibo, and it reminded the Italian navigator Amerigo Vespucci of Venice, Italy. So he named the region Veneziola, or Little Venice. So Venezuela named after Venice. Whoa. I had no idea. Hmm. Weird fact. Wow. I always uh, find it's weird when someone comes after and names it, and we stick with that name. Right. Yep. Hey, <laughs> what are we going to do? The name they used. That's right. They were there. And I guess New Amerigo York. found it. Okay, we'll take your name. This is America. Now, you get two continents, a uh, person <laughs> who we don't know anything about. <laughs> Congratulations. Better than you, Mr. Antarctica. Uh, Haley, what do you got? Get a load of this. Then this is um, something my boss told me that like lawyers are now um, sending around as like a fear thing. But uh, a lawyer in New York used ChatGBT to um, try to argue their case, and ChatGBT made up case law. Yeah. And then he asked it. He said, "Is this real case law?" And it said, "Yep." <laughs> it's like itself making oh it up. God. And he went to court and he tried to argue his point with made up case law and then obviously they looked into the, like what are these cases he's citing they don't exist it's oh just like made God. up precedents that supported him and now he has to like go to a hearing and like <laughs> trouble because so he's so gonna he run win the case or no it's because he sent those cigars is it um <laughs> it's because people are always being like oh, ai it can pass the bar at this point right and so this is just kind of the extension of that of people running with that idea just seeing how far it can go well, like, and a lot of lawyers are using AI. I had to go to a talk about it for, like, my, like work and stuff, and they're talking about it, and it's, you can use that as a tool. Like, this guy used it as his whole job. Like, right. you can maybe say, point me towards some good arguments for this kind of thing, and it'll point you, but then you have to go to Canley or, like, Westlaw and read the cases yourself. And make sure can't, they exist. Yeah, you can't Ugh. just be like, cool, thanks, time for bed, I'll build 10 hours for this. <laughs> like, you, that, like yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah, I said and, it was a real thing, so, you know. <laughs> or if it's not. Literally. What is So he's real? kind of like the the example being set for like what not to do now this this guy i don't know his name if this article even has his name oh yeah he facing a court hearing after his company levadow and oberman used ai for legal research on a case fun shout outs to that firm uh, in trouble right now so jeff i'm she took can you your really call it can you really call it research at that point though if you just asked chat gpt is it research if I just make up stuff to make me my point sound better? No, no. Uh, Jeff, I'm she took your AI thing. So what's your get a load of this going to be about? <laughs> yeah, get a load of this. Uh, it's we're going obscure math um, oh, okay. this week. Sort anyway, it's from Scientific American. It's a it's an article called "Gift Wrapping Five Oranges Has Outwitted the Best Minds in Mathematics for Generations," um, and it's <laughs> it's about a mathematical problem of. How how would you wrap a bunch of oranges? They they know the answer if it's an infinite number of spheres. Th then then you then you make a stack like you know an orange pyramid that you would get in a grocery store. But if it's a finite number, um, apparently it gets it gets really complicated. And there the two the two ways you can do it is a cluster like you would do it in a grocery store. But the other way is just putting them side to side 
in a long sausage and wrapping them all up. And the the weird thing that they figured out uh, is that if it is if it's less than 56 oranges or if it's 57, 58, 63 or 64, then you do them as a sausage. Um, but if it's 56 or 57 or 58 or I think more than that, then you then you do a cluster. And, and the mathematical term that they say for why for when it shifts so rapidly between those two, they call it a sausage catastrophe. Um, yeah, and so it's it's a lot. It's apparently they just finally figured out the math of how this works. But apparently, it, that's it. A, is it like a matter of like the 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 way to be most efficient with wrapping paper? Is that kind of yeah, the idea? like okay. like All the right. the amount of surface you know area that you are using is apparently much more complicated. Fine. Okay. You think it would be? Uh, links below for all this stuff, including the one from the community. There's a whole channel dedicated to get a load of this, which is just uh, the most interesting news feed on the internet, I would argue. But Jeff, did you pull one from there? That is true. Uh, get a load of this. This one is from Mr. Buttons. Okay. Um, and it it was a tweet that said the first player to reach hardcore level 100 in Diablo 4 uh, saw their character perma die after 82 hours of play when their game disconnected from the server apparently mm. oh no that's perfect i, I saw one in that yeah. channel too that i pulled um do you want to hear just i know news these days it's all outrage machine uh but like this feels like the headline that was built by an ai to enrage people the most would you all like to hear it absolutely yeah. uh, this is an ap <laughs> story <clears throat> A government official in India has been suspended from his job after he ordered a water reservoir to be drained so he could retrieve his smartphone, which he had dropped while taking a selfie. <laughs> Love it. Good times on Earth. We're all having fun here. Hey, if you're having fun, fun you man. can help support the show and support the fun directly by going to Patreon, patreon.com. with two ends. Just a reminder, if you support us, you jump in there at any tier, even the $2 tier, you jump in there on uh, Thursday, June 8th, Friday, June 9th, we will message you a code for the fun uh, platformer Mr. Sun's Hatbox on Steam. First 300 people to up their tier or jump in on Patreon at any tier will be sent a code for Mr. Sun's Hatbox on Steam. So thanks, everybody, for supporting us and uh, checking out that game. It's a cool game. Um, let's see. Plugs. We have uh, The Deepest Dive on Tears of the Kingdom. The third episode went live this week on MinMax's YouTube channel. If you're looking for even more MinMax content, you can check it out there or just unlock the bonus podcast feed, which has The Deepest Dive for Zelda and the 26 other games we've covered with The Deepest Dive. It's all in that bonus podcast feed. Um, people in the Discord were talking about how they're going back and listening to that spelling bee uh that we did with that hmm. panel remember in minneapolis uh years and years ago you guys uh, that's up in yeah. that podcast feed that's one of my favorite things bmx has ever done it's a video game spelling bee with a with a whole room full of folks um also there's party chat our bonus podcast that's also in that uh bonus podcast feed if you really want to go behind the scenes of independent media that's a good place for getting very much in the weeds we had people people always write in with really good but really specific questions to minmax show and it's like this is more of a party chat thing we'll cover it there where people wrote in like hey you know, what would it look like if everyone was able to be full-time at MinMax? How would that change your content? It's like, oh man, that is all I think about all day, every day. And I would love to talk about it, but probably not on the main show. That's a good uh, behind the curtain thing. So check out Party Chat, our bonus podcast. Uh, and special shout out to everybody who contributed a short documentary uh, for Doc Lightning, which was our short documentary film festival, where for the month of May, we challenged people to make a documentary under three minutes long. And 31 people in the community made them 
submitted them. We streamed our reactions, Leo and Jacob Geller and I, to everybody's uh, short documentaries. Awe-inspiring. Like, amateur... Suits, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we got <laughs> nice all dressed touch. up. Yeah, thank you. It was a real film festival. Um, you know, these weren't professionals. There are a couple pro uh people from the video world in that batch but a lot of folks just trying to shoot and edit a documentary for the first time and like they were genuinely amazing it is the most human blast of reality we've ever had on minmax's channel ever it is it is so good uh so you can check out that archive it's on minmax's youtube channel now uh and shout out to everybody who submitted a documentary and shout out to Haley, who screened all of them ahead of time to make sure it wasn't just somebody saying look at my butt for three minutes <laughs> Luckily, there was none of that. No. Yeah. No edits needed. Everybody did an amazing Wait, job. Did my link not go <laughs> 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 like that uh, Nathan for you episode, right? That's right. <laughs> oh, God. I forgot about that. Uh, all right. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening and supporting the show. We appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, at the Game Champion tier. These people can choose any game under the sun and be declared the champion of it. And we'll have a big poll coming up in a little bit uh, to choose the real winner of the whole game championship and we'll create bonus content about the game they chose. But this month, uh, the official champion of fallout 76 is Jesse Wildrick. Uh, Derek Greenwood out of any game ever made chose, I believe once again, to be declared the champion of minority report colon, everybody runs. It's <laughs> just such a weird Which, game. By the way, that film can be blamed for apples and 100%. On yeah. Vision, you know, everybody should run away from investing in Apple vision pro. Um, uh, main Ota top. This is so diabolical. The game that they're the champion of cribbage cribbage, everybody. We never said it had to be a video game. So congratulations. My man would disagree. Oh, all right. We'll see. Uh, but congratulations uh, to Maine for being the champion of cribbage. All right. I think that's it. Haley, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And there's a bunch more game announcements to get to. We'll get to it uh, on MinMax's YouTube channel with our live reactions. If you want to tune into that, we'd appreciate it. Otherwise, uh, next week will be a big episode of the podcast where we'll be covering all this stuff and get that LA crew back in here and... I might be here or I might be on paternity leave. I don't know. Ask human biology. So thanks so much, everybody, for your patience. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.